Emoticon. I've come across these weird sound files talking about something called the Red Leaf Retrocast. I don't know what any of this has to do with Metal Gear. Is the enemy trying to distract us? I don't know, Snake. But I feel like we should listen to them anyway. There might be some important information in there. How can there be anything important in these? They're talking about retro video games. Snake, okay. We were in a retro video game. Huh. By the way, you just come out of bed or something? We're on a mission here. No time for jokes, Snake. Haha. Ha. I wish we could go longer, but this is getting a little too meta for me. the Red Leaf Retrocast, episode 61. Theme, Stealth Games. All right. Hey, Colin, you were uh, a very good snake. Clearly, I nailed it as Otacon. <laughs> Thank you, Joey, for your brilliant uh, expertise in acting skills. Mm-hmm. I am the greatest acting coach there is. <laughs> you, you coached me well on through that one. Give me my Oscar immediately. <laughs> Yes, if you, uh, just right quick, if you listen to the end of the last episode, we kind of said it was going to be Kevin's theme pick, uh, Bullet Hell. Well, uh, almost immediately after the cast, um, and way too lazy to just go and edit it into other things, uh, we decided to, due to, um, my birthday over the weekend, happy birthday to me. Yeah, happy belated birthday. me being away, thank you, Colin, uh, me being away, and then Kevin also not being able to be here this weekend uh, through his own circumstances. We decided to flip Colin's pick and Kevin's pick. So Kevin's bullet hell pick will be uh, the next episode down the road. So, Colin, it's your theme pick today. Joey, you're also here. Yes, I am. I am here. So how's everyone doing? I got. I have obviously a, a, a many stories to tell. <laughs> but l- why don't you guys start? Well... I'll start. It's it's been quite a quite a couple of weeks. Like about a week ago, I got laid off from my job. It's a combination of our losing Air Canada's contract and our building being flooded, so it's damaged. So until until the next uh, contract comes along, I'm I'm out of a job. So I've just been relaxing at home for the past week or so. Well, that sounds like plenty of time to play some stealth video games. Well, yeah, that's what I did, along with... Work on work on your uh, your Hitman skills, <laughs> your trouncing in the shadows, ready to steal everyone's lunch money so you can pay rent, right? Am I close? And my solid snake impression, obviously. <laughs> obviously, yes. But, again, reiterate, not as good as my Otacon. <laughs> Maybe if Otacon was baked out of his mind on pot. Ah. <laughs> uh. So you are the second person to get laid off his job in Canada uh, during the uh, three-year existence of this podcast. <laughs> yes, but I have the advantage of being born and raised in Canada, so 
I get to stay. I'm sorry, Colin. I have uh, to regret to inform you that you are being kicked out of your own country. <laughs> you have to come live in Rhode Island. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Rhode Island's the worst. <laughs> oh boy, fate worse than death. <laughs> oh come on. I've grown. I've grown to quite enjoy Rhode Island. How can it be a state if it's smaller than Houston? <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure. Well, is Wyoming considered a state then? Wyoming's big, big, okay? Big, I'm but talking not about, as many people live there. I'm talking about distance. Rhode Island is tiny. Reminds me of a, a joke from this one Canadian comedy show <laughs> back in the 90s. It said, it was like a news sketch similar to Saturday Night Live. It's like, this just in, <clears throat> Toronto has added another town to its ever-growing megacity. The, others, <laughs> the other host says, Winnipeg. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Ah, yes. Mid-North Toronto. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) Pretty much all of Ontario is Toronto. (laughs) I mean, certain to a point, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. As for the games I've been playing. Well, well, before you get into that, I have a few stories. Okay. So, as I mentioned, it was my birthday over the weekend, and... Uh, before that, in between the podcast uh, episodes, I retook my engineering exam because uh, it's been a hot minute since I haven't had a quote-unquote engineering job uh, in regards to, say, building and designing things. So I had to retake the exam. I passed. Uh, I was very stressed out about it. Uh, and this led to an immediate... Uh, promotion and raise at work. I am now in research and development at my position, so no more dumb uh, chemical baths dealings with me. I am uh, I, I am moving on up and possibly will be traveling to uh, the great state of Virginia and Poland nice. uh, in the future. <laughs> I know. Poland? Weird combination, but that's the way it is. Why Poland? Uh, because the other plant is in Poland. <laughs> Does that mean you'll get to meet Tori in person from the anime cast? Well, he is in Norway, so uh, it would be weird if we met in Poland. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> you guys—it's like walkable Wait, I distance. Poland Europe's was in tiny, Norway, but I'm. Oh, I'm thinking of. <laughs> I'm thinking of like Oslo. Never mind. Oops. Oslo is not in Poland. <laughs> my bad. Ah. Carry on. And as I drink my zero gravity pale ale from Vermont. Uh, this weekend I went snowboarding for the first time, uh, well, in almost two years since last winter was awful for snow and this winter hasn't been much better, but went all the way to a place called Mount Snow. (laughs) I bought a new snowboard, uh, for Labor Day. I've been dying. It's just been collecting dust because the the winter's been just really warm and rainy and when it is, does get cold enough, it's just ice. But finally, I got to... Well, drink my ass off on Friday because, of course, the day uh, got there, it was raining, and it totally froze uh, the ground and all the, uh, it froze the entire mountain, basically. It was, it was a nightmare, oh, so man. my mom actually flew, uh, flew up here, and we, we went, uh, we were supposed to do that, so instead we got really drunk Thursday and Friday, and then Saturday, they opened up a couple lifts, uh, but most of them were totally iced over, so we got at least an afternoon in, and then uh, we stayed a little bit longer on Sunday. And of course, Saturday night, it snowed like 10 inches. 
<laughs> and that's, of course, the day we got to go. Uh, so we got a few really good runs in in the morning, and uh, it was it was a blast. Uh, this new board I got is uh, just a thousand times better than the than the uh, antique that I was throwing for a number of years. It, it was it was definitely time. Um, I'm finally not falling. Once I reach a certain speed, the the back end doesn't just tail out. So, good story there. I, I drank like every day. Really good food. Really good restaurants. I highly recommend the Mount Snow area. People around the around uh, the New England area do speak highly of it, and I totally agree. So, that sounds a bit like Blue Mountain. Blast. Oh, it's way better than Blue Mountain. Ba- Blue Mountain. Mm-hmm. Blue Mountain was a is a is a. Uh, <sighs> It's not up to par. <laughs> just go, go with that. Too many damn people and not enough runs. Ah, yeah. And it's not even all that big either. So, hmm. I should remember if I'm ever in the New England area in the future during winter. Yeah. So hopefully um, in a couple weeks when I head up to Maine, uh, I'll be able to stay a day uh, or, or – um, Head there on like a Friday night or something and snowboard in the morning and then a wrestling show at night. But anyways, good stuff there. So raise at work, promotion, Got finally got the snowboard. I'm, I'm a very happy guy these past two weeks. And of course, we just glossed over in the last episode that the podcast is now three years old. Yay! So. <laughs> Colin, you've been here two years. Joey, you're, you're here for a few episodes now. <laughs> for, for about three months, okay. Yeah. Kind of a big a deal around here. Kind of a big deal. And uh, Kevin is one of the OGs. He's been here since day one. <laughs> Originally as a guest host who just stayed. So <laughs> Very happy you guys are here doing this thing with me. And with that, let's get in. Now we can get into the games we've been playing. Colin, would you like to go first? Certainly. I've been playing more Kingdom Hearts 3 DLC. That was... Boo. Yeah, real convincing argument, buddy. I can tell you're a master of debate. Hey, I didn't do speech and leadership in 6th and 7th grade for nothing. <laughs> Clearly it's paid off. I know, right? Best ever. I should go for politics. <laughs> well, you know what they say. It's impossible to win a debate against an idiot. Dust off my shoulders. <laughs> I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. <laughs> Why are we here? Anyways, go on. Yeah, so... Been going against the hardest shit bosses in the in the DLC, and keep in mind for context, I'm playing <clears throat> I'm playing at level 99 with the Ultima Weapon Keyblade, which is the most powerful one in the game, and I'm still getting my ass kicked. These guys are hard as shit. I mean, that doesn't sound very fun. I think I'm. I think these guys are even more challenging than a lot of the bosses in Sekiro. And oh, that's, that really doesn't sound That's fun. saying something. Yeah, there's a lot of parrying you have to do, so I imagine you, JD, would have a an impossible time of it. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, do not like that. Mm. That sounds boring. Well, I find it. Joey, I now, I now <clears throat> know why we are friends. It was, that, it was a comment like that that really pulls us together. <laughs> well, it's just like what we're going to experience next week. Why do I want to avoid a bunch of things? I'd rather just kill a bunch of things. <laughs> well, I've I've beaten most of them. There's just one left. And it it's hard as shit because he has the ability to steal your weapon. So you got to run around avoiding his 
his attacks for a long time before getting it back, although I've never lasted that long. But I will not let it beat me. In any case, I've also been continuing with Blasphemous. Oh, how far have you gotten in that game? About 60%. Okay, so you've uh, you've definitely passed up how long I got to play it. Oh, yeah. Um, for those that don't know, a little plug here. Uh, we also do the Modern Gaming Cast uh, once a month uh, for all the gaming releases that had come out that month, uh, or at least the ones that we felt like playing. And um, the way I usually do it is I try to put at least two hours into any game uh, that we play for the podcast and the Modern Gaming Cast. So I, I, I wh- however lo- long, I guess, percentage-wise that is in the Blasphemous, uh, because it's that Metro Metroidvania uh, Super Nintendo style that it is. Uh, it I, I, it's very hard to gauge how far you get in the game. Well, if you every time you load the game, it it actually says in like the the save file, sixty percent complete or what have you. Does that? But that generally includes like collectibles and stuff, right? I guess so. Yeah. Because I've completed games like Assassin's Creed, for example. You could be. It, it could say like. 65% of the uh, 65% of the game's complete and then you finish the game. <laughs> you beat you beat all the main missions. Yeah, you're like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, that's a good point. But in any case, I can safely say this is the goriest game I've ever played. <laughs> and keep in mind I've played Doom 2016. <laughs> Wonderfully macabre. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's ironic that you play as a character called the Penitent One, yet some of the ways he kills enemies is on par with Kratos or the Doomslayer <laughs> in terms of violence. Because cool. one kill has you grab a character by the hair, stab them multiple times, and then rip the sword out, and then their guts fall out. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. I mean, is there any other way? <laughs> well, you can also smush enemies under their own shields. With blood splattering everywhere. (laughs) But then again, this is based on, like, really old-school Catholicism, which actively punished any non-believers in brutal and grotesque ways. I mean, not to toot my own horn, but if uh, someone, like, I don't know, put a shield to my face and threatened to stomp down on it, I might be, uh, I might have found religion in that moment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> temporarily and then as soon as their back is turned <laughs> so they can't try it again <laughs> ha my fingers were crossed asshole <laughs> <laughs> I thought Moses was better than Jesus anyways <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I remember mentioning on the last cast I compared it to Shovel Knight but it's really closer to a, a Castlevania game and a very yes, yes, and a very I challenging agree. one too <laughs> I'm starting to see why it's called Blasphemous. It makes you say, God damn it, <laughs> numerous times as you play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it was up there in difficulty, that's for sure. Yeah, there's, there's one really annoying glitch I came across, at least in my copy. The endgame map will fill in parts you haven't explored yet on its own. Oh. And, and that makes exploration much less satisfying, because you don't know if a certain spot that has appeared on the map you've actually been or not. I'm like, fucking hell, really? Uh, that's a, Yeah, that's a huge, huge glitch. 
I didn't I didn't come across that in mind, but again, I didn't I don't think I got far enough in Blasphemous to really uh even notice that. Yeah, I, I didn't notice until I was like through 50%, but according yeah. to Reddit, other people have had the same issue, so are you playing on well you obviously you wouldn't be playing on the switch because that's what i played it on yeah i'm on ps4 yeah oh well just gotta gotta look up a, a map that has everything filled in just so i know whether or not i've been to certain spots but i'm still i still find the game very fun and satisfying so I mean, I haven't had the problem with the map filling in since certain spots filled themselves in, so it's still satisfying to explore. Mm-hmm. God damn, this beer is good. <laughs> Joey, if you ever come across a company called Zero Gravity, it's from Burlington, Vermont. This uh, They make some really good beer. I, I've had three different kinds now. It's amazing. It's really good stuff. <laughs> what kind of beer do you they make? Uh, pale ale, IPA, double IPA, lager, Pilsner. They make uh, they make the the big collection. Um, none of them are fruity, so that's uh, that's right up my alley. Nice. Uh, I believe they make a uh, oh, what's it called? Um, not the citrus kind. It's the uh, but it has it has that citrus taste. You like you like that flavor, Joey? Yeah. Sour, sour, sour ale. That's what it's called. Hmm. I believe they make a sour ale as well. Goo? Delicious. Just one last thing about Blasphemous. Fast travel is awful in this game. I mean, the points where you can warp to are so far apart compared to the save points. It's like way on each extreme far end of the map. That's a common complaint with the game, yeah. I mean, why not just do the Dark Souls thing and let you travel from save point to save point? It's really tedious the way it is. But I believe Metroid was kind of like that, but uh the save points were far apart from each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's it's <clears throat> pretty much everything I've been playing, although I I played a little bit of a little bit further in Valfaris last night. Game's still fun as hell. It's the it's the heavy metal contra game. That I mentioned last cast. Yep. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's pretty right. much everything. Joey? <clears throat> You're up, buddy. I've been playing Warcraft. Obviously, you've been playing the worst game ever <clears throat> of all time. Uh, Warcraft 3 Reforged, and I've been having a blast. <laughs> a blast as in you blew up your copy of the game? <laughs> nope. Which would, inqui- which would uh, obviously entail uh, your computer exploding. <laughs> nope. it was, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Your outrage, you really need to tone that down. Uh, okay. You know, I've been playing... This is a family podcast with swearing. I've been playing uh, TDs. I've been playing malls. I've been playing every kind of custom game there is. It's been a lot of fun. I've been playing the campaigns. I did run into that uh, defeat bug, but that was only in the prologue, so I just went to the main one, and they've already patched it, so I went back to playing. Uh, I've not seen any issues, and uh, I'm not upset with it. I'm really enjoying it. So why are you really upset with Warcraft Reforged, <laughs> worst game ever? Oh, super upset that there's not enough, there's not more people. I mean, the more people, the more custom games. All those people who got mad and quit, we could have been playing TDs together. Mm. <laughs> so is it is it true that uh, be, it, 
because Warcraft 3 Reforged came out, many of the custom games from the original version are now cut out. I think they cut out custom campaigns, but they didn't cut out any of the games. I mean, if they did, people just need to update them. I mean, I'm playing well, versions of games that have been created in, like, 2013, so I have not seen okay. any issues. So custom campaign is literally just a story someone made from the original build. Yeah, but I don't know if they actually... I think you can make custom um, winning statuses, but I don't think you can make, like, cutscenes and things like that. So there's no real story besides, hey, go kill this thing. Okay, because that was, that was a big outrage online with it. Uh, because there were so many. I, I'm not. I'm not up on the Warcraft thing. That's why I'm asking you, Joey. You are the Warcraft uh, uh, expertise of the podcast. I never did any of that. So okay. Well, <laughs> and I know. I your think expertise, your expertise doesn't matter then. <laughs> I think they might have taken out verses and ranked for mm-hmm. playing one on one, which I never did anyway because I, I would always get destroyed. I'm not good with that meta strategy game. Yeah. So I just like. Well, I was reading. I was reading up on just what Blizzard, how Blizzard has handled the whole Warcraft Three Reforged situation. Uh, the game itself doesn't seem like it's, it's a big deal, right? But it's how Blizzard uh, advertised, sold the game, and uh, it basically gave false promises, and that's what a lot of people bought the game for, and they didn't get that. I can see not one of those two things, but I mean other things that people are complaining about, like no profile, and like your login to Battle.net. Of course, they're going to re- remove that. They've been going to a single login for all their games for a while now. They're not going to have Warcraft 3. You log in with your Battle.net, and then you have a separate Battle.net just for Warcraft 3. That doesn't really make much sense. Yeah, I've also been hearing that the update actively made the base game worse, and then you can't go back to the original base game. At least with your current account. That's what I've been hearing. Possibly. I mean, I lost my copy of the original, so I've just been playing Reforged. Hmm. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, yeah, just uh, just from really an ethical standpoint, from everything I read of what Blizzard did with Warcraft 3, that's something that does deserve outrage. Uh, the false advertising, I don't care what company i don't care what industry it's in when you false advertise and you false promise and then when your product comes out and that's not what was delivered to then not give out refunds and then since since the original launch date uh there there have all you have to do is now apparently claim um technical issues and you will get your uh you will get your refund but for a while there, uh, Blizzard was just uh, not allowing it because they were going to obviously lose a lot of money with all this outrage and being review bombed. It's the worst game on Metacritic reviewed of all time uh, via user score. Uh, and when you read further into like what was advertised specifically, where, where it was um, a reforged campaign... Uh, fully rendered cutscenes, updated, updated gameplay. Uh, the li- the list goes on. It's it's really quite something how much uh, they were just going to improve upon the game, and basically nothing was done. Uh, there there was very little uh, that they added to it. Now, Joey, you could probably speak more to that part uh, since you're obviously playing it. Uh, but everything I've read and everything. Um, 
I've come across from just how people that pre-order the game, uh, it's it's not something acceptable for any industry to do what Blizzard had done, and it's kind of speaking to the larger volume of Blizzard just kind of shitting on its fan base, and that's what EA has done, and then look at a lot of their products. 2K is doing a lot of the same things as well. Uh, that's why sports franchises are at an all-time low these days. So, uh, you guys have any thoughts of that in general? But I'm glad you're having uh, fun with the game, Joey, because that is the point of playing a video game. <laughs> well, I'll be honest. I didn't look too much in the marketing. I saw that it was reforged. I was drunk. I pre-ordered the game, and I'm happy that I did that. <laughs> so I never looked into what they promised. I just The only thing I think I remember reading is that they're going to update the graphics, and they did that. Okay. So I wasn't expecting the best graphics. I don't care about the cutscenes that people said. Oh, they showed it at... Uh, whatever con oh look look at this cutscene that they made live action or whatever and I'm like they never do that every game that they show at these events are always beefed up i mean like witcher 3 it looked amazing and then it was nothing like it when it first came out like they do that all the time so i don't ever trust any of that stuff anyway well that's false advertising in itself but uh in this case blizzard uh for every press release since then kept promising yes this is what we're doing with the game and then at some point uh, they decided they weren't going to do that, but then just didn't tell anybody. They just released the game, and everyone was really caught off guard. Um, when did Activision buy Blizzard? I don't know. Was it? I don't know that off the top of my head. Was it within the last two years? No. I don't believe so. Let me look that up. Activision. Assholes by Blizzard. Also assholes. Let's see. Um, 2013. Huh. Oh, wow. That's been a while. Okay. Because everyone's blaming everything on Activision, but I guess maybe they took more control. I have no idea because everyone's like, oh, this is Activision, why they're doing all these terrible things. But it's, if it's been seven years, I'm trying to think of what think games came right. out. So I don't know. People are just blaming Activision. Yeah, the... What I saw was as the really scummy move is that <laughs> Blizzard was actively restricting refunds for Reforged and then banning people from Blizzard forums who were assisting other people in getting their refunds. And it was only once the once the backlash reached the fever pitch that it has that they finally acceded and allowed it allowed people to get their money back yeah that was uh if i'm reading this correctly and i understand activision Bl activision and blizzard merged in 2008 and then it and then later in 2013 something else happened uh i guess maybe activision had majority shares oh, yeah or something but it's been a long time yeah it also sounds like a lot of the original developers from like 90s and 2000s of Blizzard have since left the company. So hopefully they're somewhere yeah, better now. One of the main guys for Diablo left, a bunch of the Diablo team left. because And most of the things that I've read on that, the developers are leaving because of Activision's influence on Blizzard. <clears throat> so they're changing the culture around. So a lot of the senior devs, some of those teams have jumped ship. Yeah, yeah. you see that with a lot of companies, whether it's Square whenever they buy someone, EA 
especially when they buy some buy some company and yeah. they basically just kick out uh, disgruntled employees and they go and usually make their own studio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so. what happened with Bioware. Yep. Uh, well, Joey, anything more? Or shall I go on? No, you're good to go. All right. So, uh, in preparation for the Bullet Hell cast, uh, I looked into because uh, we're picking Sega Saturn games. Uh, there's a couple on there. One's really expensive, so I looked into the possibility of reproduction discs, which uh, I've never dabbled in before. Uh, I do. I've I've done a few reproduction carts because those are very easy. They just you just pop them in and play, right? Uh, with disc-based games, is a little bit more complicated because uh, that's when they started doing a little bit more with the uh, uh, region uh, coding with the discs. Um, a pin or a connector in there that won't let you won't let your um, say American system play a Japanese syst- uh, disc game. Uh, there's ways around it. Sega uh, was very loose in the pirating uh, aspect of it. Like there was always uh, some sort of workaround, such as you can just straight up burn a disc uh, for the Dreamcast, and it'll work on there. Uh, that probably attributed a number of things of its downfall, but regardless. Uh, I so if you're looking for, to play say a Japanese game on your American Sega Saturn, you get what's called a um uh what's it called? Hold on. Uh, uh, action replay cart, okay? Okay. It also functions as a backup memory card, okay? So it's a really cool thing. Basically, you just pop it in. It also functions as like a Game Shark or a, uh, uh, what's the Nintendo one? Uh, G- uh, Game Genie. Okay? Uh-huh. It also can function as that. Uh, so that's cool. But if you want to do a reproduction disc, what you have two options, basically. You can uh, purchase another action replay cart. Okay? Uh, and there's a lot of, like, how-to videos and all this. Um, there's ways to do the disc swap trick which could burn out your drive, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. That's that's a bad idea in its first place, and it could take you anywhere from two minutes to an hour to get a game working. So you buy another action replay cart. You uh, burn this specific ISO program from your computer onto a disk. Okay? Yes. G- guys follow me so far? Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so you burn this program onto a disk, and then you throw that disc in your Sega Saturn with this other action replay cart. Do not use your own. What this does is it basically wipes all the information off your action replay cart and reformats it into a what it's what's called a pseudo Saturn. Oh. Okay. So it kind of bypasses more or less, like in theory it bypasses uh, the. Um, hardware inside to, uh, uh, I guess, confirm that your disc is legal tender. Okay? Okay. So you're... Once you do that, now your action replay cart is a pseudo-Saturn cart. And then all you have to do is pop that sucker in the back, and you can play any sort of burned uh, Sega Saturn game. Okay? Oh, yeah. The same concept works with the Dreamcast if you want to play 
uh, a burn disk or a disk from another region. You burn a di- you burn this program on a disk. Uh, the difference is you don't have to have a cart in the back of your Dreamcast. Okay. Okay. Uh, what I did was because I have a laptop that no longer has a disk drive. I would have had to buy a disk drive, uh, blank disks, which, of course, they only come in, like, packs of 40 these days. <laughs> but, no, you know, neither's expensive. You could get a drive for, like, 20 bucks, uh, some blank disks for, you know, $7, whatever, plus, plus shipping and everything. Uh, but then I did a little bit more research, and uh, whether it's eBay or Amazon or whatever site you want to look for... Uh, People sell uh, a pseudo-Saturn cart, and if you go to um, the site I went to, uh, the pseudo-Saturn cart can also function as a couple other things. Uh, You can get it to be also a backup memory card, which is quite useful, uh, because the Sega Saturn has a watch battery in the back as its memory card data bank, which is worthless because it dies, like, super fast, so you could be in the middle of a game and then bang, it dies, and then you lose all your data. So uh, th- these memory card banks are quite useful and, I, th- I think, necessary. So I took a chance. I spent uh, $25, which would come out to how much money I would spend on all the other stuff that I'd need. Uh, and I bought uh, a couple of the games that we're going to be playing for the next podcast uh, on the Sega Saturn, uh, just from an Etsy site. Thought I'd try it out. They were only... 10 bucks. I'm like, okay, if this doesn't work, I'm out 20 bucks, whatever. And uh, the pseudo Saturn didn't work, so that's another 25. It's not a huge loss, but it was worth the experiment. And I tried it uh, first thing uh, yesterday when I came in, everything came in the mail, and sure as sure, shit, it was simple. Pop it in the back, uh, a program comes up, it runs, it runs itself, and it just plays the disc like it's a normal game. It's really cool. And the Etsy site has all the disc, the original disc artwork and everything. So if you put it like side by side, a an actual like Sega Saturn disc, you wouldn't even be able to tell the difference. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so that that's really cool. If uh, again, if you um, want to go into kind of the, because uh, let's face it, a lot of Sega Saturn games are crazy expensive like um they, they could go two three four hundred dollar range and i i personally uh don't have that kind of scratch nor desire to spend that much on a video game yeah yeah <laughs> let alone a not like boxed copy or anything so uh a lot of these games i wish i could play and add to my collection and um i'm not above kind of going through this way and when there's no other way to really play these games uh, in any digital library, uh, it's it's just kind of a good uh, thing to add to the collection. Uh, it's pretty cool. So uh, it's a it's a rousing success. It's really easy. Didn't have to do a thing. I just ordered the pseudo Saturn online, got it, got the uh, got the Etsy repro discs, and they work. Uh, I definitely want to look into now um, perhaps uh, some of the more expensive PlayStation One games that just have never been able to get nor find. Uh, so if I can somehow get something similar with the PlayStation, I'll, I'll have to look up that in the future. So, And then uh, getting roused up for Yakuza 
uh, remastered collection that's coming out uh, tomorrow, in fact, upon recording. Uh, that's a collection of Yakuza 3, 4, and 5, all remastered on the PS4. I've been uh, really adamant, I've uh, been telling myself for a while, I have to finish the Yakuza, ser- Yakuza series. I've played like two hours of every single game, except 3, 4, and 5. <laughs> so I've played 0, Kiwami, Kiwami 2, and 6. And I have like fragments of the story, but nothing's completed. So I'm finally just saying, whenever I have free time and nothing's like dire for the podcast, I'm playing Yakuza 0, I'm going to finish it, then I'm moving on to the next one, I'm going to finish these series. Uh, So Yakuza 0, I've been chipping away at it, I'm finally over the halfway point in this fucking game. (laughs) And it's so, like the story is so engrossing uh, to the point where, uh, and even the, uh, the thing about, have you guys played Yakuza before? Nope. Although I Heard want to it, play Zero. Familiar with it? Nope. Zero is a fantastic place to start. So, uh, because it's the origin story of everything, right? Yeah. So you really start from, uh, like, scratch zero one, hence zero. Uh, but the thing about Yakuza is, besides the engrossing stories and the, and the long cutscenes and getting used to characters and how campy it is at times... Uh, well, most of the time. Huh. The side side aspects you can do in this game uh, are ridiculous. Uh, of course, there's bowling in it, and you can hit on the chick working at the bowling alley, and you bowl her, and uh, even if you bowl a perfect game, that's not very impressive to her. She just claps anyways. She's like, oh, you beat me. I'm like, bitch, I bowled a perfect game. You should be down on your knee. And- <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is oh, that the boy. only reason you like this game? Because you actually can get a perfect score for once? Hey, I have a perfect score, Joey. I have the ring to prove it. I don't need your sass. Okay, <laughs> you sure it wasn't a 299? Just because I bowled a 299 to start off 2020, I don't need your sass, okay? <laughs> That's not your only 299. Okay, I have 15 others, but still. <laughs> uh, so there's a, a point in the game, and I, I didn't know Zero had this, is one of the guys, he's a cabaret club owner, and... Uh, while he's doing the, the, the story stuff, uh, the side thing is he still has to make money at the cabaret club, right? But there's these other cabaret clubs called the Five Stars, like five other cabaret clubs banding together to try to uh, overturn or overtake as the big player in town to this the main the, the, the character's cabaret club. Well, he's traveling through town... And he notices that this, like, dive bar is really struggling. Well, it turns out it's a cabaret club, but on the very much smaller end. And one thing leads to to another, and he realizes that the five stars have been trying to run out all of the dive bar cabaret clubs. So they will have all the customers, and then their, basically their bottom line will interfere into his club's uh, profit margin. Right, it's it's very economics based because uh, the other character runs real estate, which I'm not interested in at all. <laughs> <laughs> but the mini game, so you you decide to help out this dive bar because if he can save the dive bar, then that will impede onto the other guys trying to impede on him. So it kind of works works in many many ways. So you're you, 
you get I got so caught up in recruiting women on the street to work at this club and you have to like buy them shit and talk to them and then you go on dates with them <laughs> which involve karaoke and disco and whatever and I got so caught up in that and the mini game at the during the cabaret club is so much fun it's just a single screen and you're just, <laughs> and you're just that you just have to send the girl to the table a dude walks in you kind of have to match up their uh, like personalities with what the dude wants uh, and there's like smiley faces and stuff to kind of indicate that oh yeah that's the girl I want uh, and you you have to you can give the girls makeovers and I'm like uh. three hours later shit I didn't play any more of the stuff <laughs> <laughs> I've just been running this cabaret club. Fuck. <laughs> I got to get back to this underground fight club and really save the day or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so Yakuza Zero is a blast. I can't wait to keep playing it. And uh, maybe I'll get caught up in the cabaret club. That's what I've been doing. Uh, there. It went on went, went on quite long. Uh, any comments or last things before we move on to the topic? No. Nope. I'm good. All right. Long time, long time, long intro, lots to catch up on, so let me play the drop. We can move on with the cast. Just make a Metal Gear Solid drop. No Metal Gear Solid drop. That was already at the, the beginning of the, the cast. game over screen. <laughs> I don't know. Well, well I, can, I can, here, perfect impression of the Metal Gear Solid game over screen. Here we go. <clears throat> Thanks to Joey's coaching skills. Here we go. Snake. Snake. <laughs> Snake. <laughs> and scene. You need the music, man. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. I brought tears to my eyes. Thank you, Joey. Couldn't have done it without you again. It's no fun without the right. music. <laughs> <laughs> you just see, when your acting skills taught by my friend Joey here, are so perfected, the music is just automatically in your head. <laughs> from the soul. Deep in the soul. Deep in the Schwartz. Anyways. Uh, so, topics here. Got a, got a few ones that kind of piqued my interest in uh, what's been going on the last few weeks. Uh, no PS5 announcement. No, Sony's just not ready for it, I guess. That's kind of a bummer. I was hoping something would have come out by, the, by this time, but nonetheless... Instead, we got uh, Pokemon is now a piece of shit game, and the company is also shitty because it's now microtransaction and DLC heavy. We knew it was coming. We didn't want it to come, but here it is. Hmm. Wait, it has DLCs? Yes. So, Crown... And it's not just one DLC. It's two DLC. Crown Tundra and Isle of Armor. Yay. So, hooray to that. Uh, you can buy a pack, I believe. Um, you'll have to buy them separately. Now, you can trade with people that have bought the DLC. So, you don't, I guess, technically need to buy it. But, you know, if your friend bought it, then you can you get... Hey, friend, trade me your Pokemon that you paid for, basically. Hmm. Uh, what? Yeah. So, so, it's kind of like, imagine Pokemon Blue and Red... Okay. But you have to they had to pay for the DLC. Okay. Yes. And you didn't like you paid for blue, I pay I I paid for red and then green came out 
in Japan, and I, I don't know. I, the, the analogy's, I guess, getting lost here. The point is, there's two DLCs, there's two Pokemon. I don't know what the story is. I don't care enough to read into any of that. The point is that it's not really necessary when it should just be one DLC, if at all. And then there's Pokemon Home on top of it. Now, this is where this is where the scum situation comes in, okay? Pokemon Home is basically what's been in almost every Pokemon game uh, that's evolved and been in the past, and now it's all taken away and hidden behind a paywall uh, for you to do. And that involves trading, the Pokemon bank system, the uh, national Pokedex, that they... Okay. So, Pokemon Home has a bunch of other features, too, like the National Pokedex. Quote, This was an example of the Pokemon company going, Ugh! See, there's just too much with the animations that we don't have. It's still the same shit that we do. And we can't have the National Pokedex anymore, because it's just too much. There's too much Pokemon. There's too much of this, too much of that. We can't do it. Well, it was a big fat lie, because they did do it. Now it's behind a $16 a year... Uh, paywall for all the features that were in past games. Wait, sixteen a year? It's I know it's not a whole lot of money, but it's still money nonetheless. You have to pay sixteen dollars for a virtual bank to hold virtual animals to yes. virtually trade to other people. That's that seems ridiculous. Now there is a free version you can get, uh, but it's hot. It it's it's so compact that it's basically worthless. Like, you can only put one in the trade system at a time. Uh, you can only do... Um, no, the Pokemon Bank actually isn't in the free version. So if you want that uh, and access to the decks, you have to pay for the premium version. Basically, everything that the Pokemon Company told the customers that couldn't be in the game, their words, are in the game, but you have to pay for it. Bullshit. Yeah. So it's quite scummy. And you need to have a membership to Nintendo Switch Online to also access this. So it's technically behind two paywalls. So there you go. And if you want to trade the DLC uh, Pokemon, you have to have Pokemon Home. (laughs) Oh, boy. Now, if I got any of this information wrong, I apologize, but the point is Pokemon Home is a scumbag situation. It's what everyone was afraid was going to happen, and there was a lot of people saying, oh no, it's Nintendo, they don't do this. Well, they did it. Yeah. Uh, So not only was it a game that underperformed and under, uh, I guess, uh, what's the word? Uh, It didn't impress. Right? It, it, it looks like a game that's 15 years old still. Yep. Okay? So. No steps forward, three steps back. I would expect this kind of shit from Konami, but not from Nintendo. That's why I don't play Pokemon anymore. I wish they would just make the game longer. Maybe add more Pokemon. But instead they added breeding and shinies and things I just don't care about. Yeah, I'm not into those either, so... 
I haven't. Boo Pokemon. I'm out I'm outraged. I have uh I was very disappointed with the game uh itself. Um just not a lot of innovation. We spoke about it on the Modern Cast quite a lot. People are still very much into Pokemon. I'm sure they're still going to buy all this shit. And uh, they're going to make a ton of money. And not and no one's going to learn anything except that they're just going to keep doing this. Yeah. Uh, Jim Sterling even did a video about that on how gamer boycotts are generally completely worthless. I mean, people say think- they're going to boycott and not buy the game. And yet, still... <laughs> still sells like gangbusters. Yeah, but I think if you do a couple in a row, you start ending up like Blizzard. I mean, people are going to buy Blizzard games, but it seems to be less and less. Well, Less and less as time has gone on, yeah, that's for sure. When the when the backlash is so overwhelming, like with in Blizzard's case, then they have to take notice. Yeah, I mean, but it's probably started something small like this with like the WoW community and then slowly snowballed. We'll see what Nintendo does with their other platforms. If they do something like this with Zelda, people are going to be outraged again, but they'll buy the game. Nintendo fanboys are crazy. Huh. Yeah, well, this, the difference is the Zelda DLC wasn't any good. Um, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, I mean, I, I speak, I, I, I think our theme of the last like couple years was all of the microtransactions and uh, to the point where it w- we were just speaking to it ad nauseum of how much... I- I'm personally so against uh, most concepts of DLC. I'm certainly against any form of microtransaction. I don't give a shit, because there's always the excuse, ah, well, it should be only cosmetic. I go, bullshit, because we used to play games where the whole idea was to complete it and unlock everything. You unlock the cosmetics, you unlock extra levels. That was your incentive for trying to beat the harder shit in the game and get certain things. So you're, you've taken stuff out and now you're charging for it that's why fighting games are pretty much dead to me sports games i haven't bought a sports game in god knows how long because of all this shit so anyways pokemon is is no exception now it's it's no exception to the rule uh they they have completely outraged me it it was uh it's not anyways let's move on uh phil spencer he's the man kind of in charge of xbox these days he was quoted saying Sony and Nintendo are not their primary competitors anymore. It's Google and Amazon. What? Uh, yes, saying saying basically that cloud gaming, so Xbox and Microsoft are still very much on this cloud gaming thing that they wanted to push during the Xbox One era, right? Yes. Which led to a lot of their, uh, well, downfall. It's led to a lot of their downfall. It's a big part of it. Uh and as we know, the Google Stadia has been a fantastic failure. Yep. <laughs> and I don't know what the, what he means by Amazon, other than it's just a jug, it's a digital juggernaut. I don't I don't know what they're what they have to do with the gaming industry, but Amazon could easily the, start cloud gaming with their AWS stuff. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So once they want to get their hands in it, which maybe he knows something, maybe there's rumblings with Amazon trying to get rough or something. Maybe, but the whole idea behind uh, Microsoft has been this cloud gaming aspect to it, a Netflix gaming subscription, if you will. Uh, and Google's tried this. It has failed spectacularly. Uh, it's It's been quite the ride uh, downhill uh, to see. So uh, I also think this is also uh, pointing to the fact that Sony and Nintendo are so much better 
uh, and ahead of the game, gaming-wise, than Xbox in this day and age, right now, in this era. Uh, because the Nintendo Switch is, like, breaking system sales, records, company sales. Uh, they've already passed, I, I th- uh, top of my head, I think it was, like, 30 million consoles already. Which, by the last known count, that's what Xbox One had. <laughs> and it's not even half its age. So that should tell you... Uh, something about the Xbox One. But this comment is also very interesting, and I put a uh, link to the Polygon article. Uh, there's a couple of other, others out there you can read this on. But uh, this brings up an interesting kind of theory that we could speculate on what the uh, sex box is going to be. <laughs> okay? Because we already say it looks like a PC tower, right? Yeah. And... Could it to me now more and more? It looks like it's just going to be a Steam box, right? Where it's going to have your Xbox library in this Netflix style. That's Xbox Game Pass. Uh, it's still going to have a disc drive, so you can purchase a physical game still, uh, much like you used to in PC gaming. And they're going to slowly go more and more towards this just fully digital aspect of gaming with uh, Xbox and. Um, they even uh, moved on to say that it's not really going to have exclusives, even for the foreseeable future, right? Yeah. So this, more and more, seems to be just a digital box that you're going to have that can ha- uh, access a library uh, that also has apps. All your favorite apps, your Netflix, your Amazon Prime, your Disney+, Plus, all that stuff. Uh Basically, what they wanted the Xbox One to be, now they're just stepping it up a notch with the latest technology. Yep, it's just a PC tower now. It's like Jim Sterling said, consoles have become just very crap PCs. (laughs) I guess, but Nintendo and Sony aren't doing that. So maybe that's another reason why uh, Xbox is kind of alluding to the fact that, you know, they're, they're going in such a different direction to get out of the console market and more into the digital market. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. I mean, they already, th- they already started with their the their service that they have that you can play cross-platform. I mean, I can get games I can play either on my Xbox or my PC. So they've already started bridging the gap between their PC and the Xbox. So. Yeah, I mean, I have I have the game pa- I have a game pass on my uh, my my laptop here PC. And, uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's worked out for me pretty well. I mean, it's only five bucks. I don't have access to all the games, but then again, uh, most of those games are on the game pass that I have on PC. It's, it's not a huge deal. Uh, what this means for Xbox, I'm again, just to reiterate, Joey, are you familiar with what the steam box was or is? Yeah, I have one. You have one. Yep. Okay. Wait, you have a steam box or the, um, I have the uh, the streaming one. Okay. okay, yeah, I have that too. It was like ten dollars on sale one day. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, I think it was that or five bucks. It was almost free, so I got it. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, that that's pretty useful. I play uh, Steam games through that um, pretty easily. I even have a Steam controller. Anyways, the Steam box, no, Joey, was a basically a console, a powerful console with or an updated PC, if you will, that functioned as a console that played Steam. <laughs> and 
judging by the fact that you mixed it up with the streaming box, <laughs> says enough about how much it how how good it's sold. So my theory is with this direction, and in 2020, maybe someday we can get get to this point. I don't see the sex box being a commercial success that they expect it to be. It's like a high-end Roku device that can play games. <laughs> I can see this one being it, but this might be their last console. They might just be going straight into content and then you play on a PC or some kind of streaming box like this that you can build. I mean, if it's successful, people are going to build that kind of build. But, I mean, if I can just stream from my PC onto my computer, I'm just going to do that. There you go. Or PC onto a TV. Mixing up words here. Right. <laughs> Um, the extra piece of news I have is Insomniac is, uh, has now officially been bought by Sony. Uh, this news had come out prior. Uh, the extra note of information was it was bought for $229 million. They actually put a, the, the, the actual number came out, uh, unlike when Microsoft, I couldn't find this, uh, Microsoft bought the four studios that, uh, uh, I think it was four, four or five, um, a year, year and a half ago, uh, something like that. They bought like four or five studios, um, but no number came out on how much it, it cost to purchase. And Insomniac, uh, yes, they've made games for other companies, but they've always kind of leaned more towards Sony in particular. And Sony buying them uh, isn't really a shock, but it's their 14th internal studio, which... Uh, is interesting because that's quite a lot. I mean, that gives you, you know, if you stagger the games out, that gives you up to, well, 14 strong exclusives Sony could put out uh, generation by generation. So, um, while Nintendo has uh, IPs, right? Not they, Nintendo itself is the developer. They don't really own, uh, say, Konami, for example. Um they have their own IPs, whether it's uh, Donkey Kong, uh, Mario, etc. You know, the list goes on there. So, Sony really boosting up their um, profile with adding another studio, and Insomniac is uh, is very good. There was no uh, confirmation that another Ratchet and Clank game was going to come out to follow up from the 2016 one. What about Spyro? But, I, want, I want another Spyro. They need to give me another Well, Spyro is owned by Activision. What? So, they made three yeah. Spyro games and they didn't own it? Correct. <sighs> Son of a bitch. Activision. Yeah, yeah Activision. Um, but a, a side note was that the Sunset Overdrive IP is now officially Sony's, although the original game is still an exclusive for the Xbox One that you can also get on Steam. <laughs> Maybe they're saving it for the PS5. Maybe, uh, but the fact is that a sunset that the Sunset Overdrive IP stood out, and that was part of why Insomniac was so mad at Xbox because the game was pretty good. Uh, I remember Kevin liking it. Uh, I've played a little bit of it. It's it's almost like a souped-up Jet Set Radio mixed with uh, mixed in with um, uh Infamous. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I like so. Infamous. So we could be, we could be looking at a Sunset Overdrive two uh, for the PS five era, and then just a a side note there I, I've been scouring left and right. 
the only news that's for sure is the PS5 will be able to play PS4 games. Not all of them, but most of them. So it's kind of like an Xbox One to 360 thing. Remember that not all 360 games could play on the One? <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. I think I recall a Do similar we think... thing with Xbox 360 backward, backward compatibility with regular Xbox games. Mm-hmm. Do we think that the PS5 is actually going to be able to be fully backwards compatible with 1, 2, and 3? I'll believe it when I see it. Joey? Um, if we're talking about like actual discs, then no, but maybe digitally, possibly. But I don't think they're going to do that. Yeah, I don't think uh, disc-wise it's in the realm of possibility. I'm with you, Colin. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, I mean, uh, but PS2 for... is perfectly backward compatible with PS1 games, but this is like a whole four generations on top of the current generation. All right. The only conceivable way I can see this working is if there's like three separate disc drives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which would actually be kind of cool in that V set. It'd be like four and five on this side and then one, two and three on the other. <laughs> well, three could be on could be in the same disc drive as uh, four and five because they're all Blu-rays. Yeah, but the internal structure of the PS3 is kind of like a Sega Saturn situation, from my understanding. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe someone with more technical knowledge of the inner workings of these consoles could uh, inform me. But it's my understanding that the PS3 is so different than the PS2 and PS4 that it's pretty much running its own thing. Oh, yeah. Because uh, that's, that's why for... Was the PS3 the first Blu-ray? Yeah. No, PS3, so yeah. Blu-ray is not compatible with regular disc. Unless later ones became, I think when they first came out, they could only play Blu-ray. And I think now I'd, they might be able to, I'm not sure. Hmm. But I remember the first generation PS3, it was sort of backwards compatible with 1 and 2, but it had a hell of a time playing a lot of games. Uh, even the Ratchet, the Ratchet and Clank games would just, they, they just wouldn't work on the PS3. It, it was It was a rough time. It also could be how the processors are. I mean, since they're so stagnant in how games are accessed. That's why with uh, right. AMD's new processors, some games, well, their newest ones, before the newest ones, they had different channels and games weren't optimized for it, so it would be terrible performance. So it could be something like that with the actual hardware and how they game or they develop towards it. There you go. And then if, uh, just the last bit of news, I... I um... I was fiddling with this uh, before the podcast. I'd just come across it on uh, itch.io. Itch.io? Yes. There is a horror demo pack. It's like a jam pack. Oh. There's 17 games you can demo, and they're all from the PS1 era, so they all have those graphics. It's just uh, it's just demos of 17 horror games from with PS1 graphics. It's called hauntedps1.itch.io. <laughs> It's just Demo Disc 2020. I've played a couple of the games. It's a total blast. You just have no idea what to expect. One one is uh, one is like a uh, a horror simulator. Yes. Uh, it's first person. You're just going through like a simulated haunted house. It's it's like any simulation game, but it's all in PS1 graphics, so it just looks very blocky and goofy. Ah. <laughs> uh, 
There's a, a goofy th- third-person one that's in the realm of, like, a Resident Evil. The list goes on. I can't wait to play more of these games. Uh, I recommend people check it out if you just want a good uh, goofy laugh. <laughs> there's 17 games to try out. So there you go. Speaking of which, did you ever play any more of Alone in the Dark 2 since I, since my visit? Uh, no, I actually re- restarted playing Alone in the Dark, The New Nightmare. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, it it got that itch going. I did I did um, look up a walkthrough with uh, how to like play Alone in the Dark too. Yeah, it's really it's really hard because nothing's like nothing is clear what you're supposed to do. You just have to guess and run into things, and hopefully something happens. <laughs> like that, like that at the beginning where you're trying to shoot the enemies but they just kill you faster than you can shoot them or they stun lock you uh yeah you're you're just supposed to kill the first guy and then run straight into the statue and hopefully you get down beforehand there's nowhere else to go <laughs> but there's no indication that you're supposed to do that Shit. but that's also why uh, when you get behind the statue the guys can't hit you is because you're supposed to push it oh yeah. and then they won't hit you while you're pushing the statue yeah it makes sense that's the idea behind that. So, just not used to the game. Uh, what what it expects out of you, uh, but yeah, it's super fun, uh, <laughs> super tough. All right, all right. Let's get on to the main topic. That was uh, that was a good time. Good time. Let's see. What do we want to play? What is you know what? How about Pokemon? That piece of shit company. <laughs> Well, of course, you gotta sneak up on these little creatures, beat them to death into your into submission, and then fight to the death for your pleasure. <laughs> it's the ultimate stealth, for sure. All right, so this was your theme pick, Colin, uh, getting swapped with the bullet hell with Kevin, who unfortunately couldn't be here today. Uh, why did you pick stealth games? Uh-huh. Just came to mind. I was just coming up with topics randomly at work and then i just came up with three of them and stealth was one of them and since we're now at a point in time where several of our picks can be considered retro and because i've played majority of them growing up i figured why not there you go uh just my general thought over this are these games are are stealth games in general just tough did you find a lot of these just really tough and hard and difficult to get get a handle on? Eh, a couple of them, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I guess it's really more of a test of your patience than your skill, although skill is very heavily involved. Because the thing about stealth games, like Extra Credits said on their video, is that they have to make waiting fun. Hmm. And there's a lot of waiting around in a lot of stealth games because you gotta like wait for patrol guys to pass by and have their back turned to you, or wait for them to stop so that you can grab them and knock them out, or wait for a certain light to like go out so you can pass through the darkness. Stuff like that, really. Do you have something to say, Joey? Oh, I think they're hard, especially in this era with the terrible uh, mapping and stuff of that because a lot of times I thought I was sneaking up behind someone and then all of a sudden they turn around and shoot me 
when I was like, I wasn't even close to you, but apparently I touched him. Or made too much noise. Yeah, but I was super silent. Yeah, I, was, I had a bit of a harder time with a couple of these than I did when I was younger because I guess it's because of my PS2 controller, my current one, because it's a GameStop knockoff and it's uh, mm. the analog sticks are a little stiffer than an, an official controller, so it was a bit harder to only push it just slightly enough for you to move slowly. So. Let's see. Uh... I like I liked your comment over it's a test of your patience more than the game is overly difficult. Uh, I found a lot of these were heavily based on trial and error. Yeah, yeah. Where you'd ha where, and being that I'm also kind of replaying a little bit, just poking away at it is Alone in the Dark, the new nightmare. Yeah. Uh, that has it's not so much a stealth element to it, but it does test your patience in the trial and error part of it all uh whether it was the puzzles or trying to get around enemies and hopefully you shoot one and figure it out uh resident evil is much of the same way but these in particular you really have to figure out kind of one step at a time on levels okay does this work no all right maybe i have to go somewhere else try a different weapon uh maybe utilize a different uh, distraction technique yeah uh stick to walls and hide in dark places is very uh, similar with a lot of these games. Um, and they're all kind of, and, and we're going to finish uh, the podcast with um, a special, special game at the end, which um, kind of laid the groundwork for a lot of uh, these games that are going, that we're going to cover on this cast actually. Yeah. So. If you want a good modern example of a good stealth game, look up Mark of the Ninja. So that's like a 2d stealth game. And it's quite engrossing. It's something I got on my uh, as part of the PSN holiday sale. Well, what I've noticed with stealth games as they've evolved over the years is there's a lot of um, directional help. So there's a clear objective, and it really helps. And the game helps you along the way, kind of meet that objective. Right, it helps you uh, draw out a path of where you need to go. The map, the mapping system's a lot better. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole slew of weapons at your disposal uh, to kind of really make things a lot easier on on um, on your gaming experience. Uh, obviously, graph graphics and sound mechanics have have come a long way since the uh, late '90s, early 2000s, when stealth games really um, really started. Yeah. So. Uh, from that aspect, uh, I think Assassin's Creed is kind of revamped a lot of it where it's not just stealth in general. You can play extremely stealth, Uncharted. You can play a lot of these things as stealth as possible, you know, taking out enemies without them noticing, or yeah, or you could just go, go in guns blazing. Yeah, the, the new Wolfenstein games are a good example. Because mm. they, you have option of both, although I, I tended to go stealth a lot more often. It's kind of how Payday 2 is. All you do is heist, so you can go super silent, or you can go in guns a-blazing. You can do that in Grand Theft Auto 5 as well, and uh, I like to switch it up every 
every other mission. It's like, this one, I'm just going to murder everyone in the bank. And this one, I'm going to make sure I steal that diamond ring and not a soul's going to see. Ha, ha, ha. And then turn on my teammate and take all the money. Ah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> There's only a few missions I like to do super stealthy. Other than that, I like to bulk up, set some turrets, and plow everyone down. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, let's get into uh, the first game, shall we call them? Alrighty. First game is Hitman 2 Silent Assassin on the PS2, GameCube, Xbox, and PC. It was developed by IO Interactive, who also did Kane and Lynch and Freedom Fighters. And it was published by IDOS Interactive. It was released on the PS2, Xbox, and PC in October 2002, and then on the GameCube in June 2003. Now... I should start by saying I've never played a Hitman game. Closest I've come was watching my brother play a little bit of the original Hitman on the computer way back when. And our computer being what it was, the experience was spotty at best. Mm -hmm. Now, I played the PS2 version for this podcast, and there is the available Hitman HD Trilogy uh, for the PS3 that you can get. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got yeah. I got the Xbox version. For $4 in Rhode Island when I was visiting. And Joey and I have a little bit of a history with this game. Do uh, tell. Where we sucked ass at it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it is, a, it is a pretty tough game. This game is hard as balls. It really is. It's the... It's very open-ended, and the the guards tend to be very alert. Well, there's a reason behind that. So I beat this game. Yes, I beat it. I beat two games for the podcast, and I played uh, another two, um, more or less as a reminder, uh, and then. The last one I played for the first time, which I've meant to for a long time. But uh, Hitman 2 Silent Assassin was always a game I really wanted to like as a as a young teenager. Yes. Uh, always went in guns blazing because the stealth section is, the stealth aspect of it is really fucking hard. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and as you, as you said, it's very open-ended. So I want to know, Joey, what you thought of Hitman 2 Silent Assassin. Revisiting this game, like, 15, let's see, 2002, 18 years later after it came out. I still think it's hard. (laughs) Well, it's still hard, yes. That's no doubt, Uh, but uh, the the experience, uh, your thoughts, your emotions that you felt. It was fun. I mean, it's just not not as fun as playing with you, but, I mean, it was was fun. I I enjoyed it. Um, I mean, the graphics kind of suck, but that's just how it is. And I also want to note that we picked some really terrible games to try to find because a lot of games we have are part of franchises that decided to start over with their naming because there's a Hitman 2 that came out in 2018. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's why we specified Silent Assassin, which you have to do these days. (laughs) Especially on Google. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Although I sucked at it. I sucked at pretty much every one of these games. How far did you get in Silent Assassin here? I only played for about 30 minutes. Okay, so like two missions. Yeah. Yeah. Did you... Okay, so you... you um. 
Does that include the tutorial at the Italian monastery? Monastery. Yeah. Okay, so you you did the monastery, and then you tried to rescue him at the uh, like the mansion place. Yeah, and I remember the mansion, like it. Yeah, where we'd always go in guns blazing because we sucked. Well, sometimes we tried going silent, and then it ended up guns blazing, and we sucked. Yeah. Well, you have to go in silent. Where's my Italian pastor, motherfuckers? Bang! Oh, yeah. he's not here. <laughs> yeah. You have to go in silent for the first half until you kill your primary target. Then you can go guns blazing. I mean, that's kind of the... Uh, well, okay, so the objective... The reason why it's called Silent Assassin is the objective is to uh, kill your target that uh, is debriefed before each mission by, uh, like, let's call it home base. I think her... I, I forget what the chick's name is, but she, she briefs you on the entire mission prior. Uh, the game's based around... At first, Hitman here, he's, he's like, devastated uh, from the first game that we don't really know. We just know, like, shit happened. And he wants to go into hiding and kind of live his life in peace. He's, he's really in a mental state, right? Yeah. Which I don't I didn't remember at all from 18 years ago. I'm like, wow, this is actually deeper than I thought. I don't even and remember then, any story. Right. Well, there barely is one. But it's there at the beginning of the game. So you're, the Italian pastor who became his friend gets kidnapped by uh, by a dude named like Sergey or some shit. And um, once you play the first mission and you realize the pastor isn't there, uh, the organization Agent Forty Seven here works for basically goes, you know what? He's he's probably dead. We can't really find him. We can't locate him. And Agent Forty Seven, being a badass hitman, he just goes. Yeah, he's probably dead. All right, well, since um, these people found me and I wanted to, uh, you know, be in seclusion, they found I'm just going to become a hitman again. And then you go around the world uh, from the agency giving you various missions, and after about half the missions, then it ramps up in difficulty, supposedly. It's just higher targets, and, uh, of course, you're... He, he agent 47's like ah, I want more money it's going to be like three times my rate well that's going to come with tougher uh, assassinations so that makes sense and then um, the last two missions you realize that oh the pastor is alive uh, there's a uh, there's a um, a mission where you're actually set up by this guy Sergey uh, with a like a another hitman agent looks like you and then, and then the last mission, you're back at uh, the monastery where a big like gunfight ensues. That's the only one where you're supposed to uh, go in guns blazing. You're supposed to kill everyone. However, I'll get into that in a second. That last mission is absolute bullshit, and it's broken, and it, and it hurt a lot of the game for me because of how broken that was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I didn't get past like the, the second mission. I mean, I beat the second mission, but didn't play further. So one thing you'd have to... One thing I, I learned very fast, and uh, uh, this is very much a trial and error stealth game, okay? Yeah. Because the whole objective is to hit your target and then get out unnoticed. And you're given a ranking at the end of it, Silent Assassin, Pro, etc. Or you can go in Guns Blazing, which you'll be labeled a murderer. Mass murder, <laughs> which is funny, 
uh, to to an extent where where there there's gonna be missions where you just go fuck this and I'm just gonna murder everybody. Uh, so there is that aspect of the game. In a lot of it, what ends up happening is you are simply given a target and a map of the area that you're going to. So your goal or your path is essentially find the target, right? So you can go in guns blazing, find the target, restart the mission, and then try to get there uh, without being noticed. What makes this really difficult is the fact that enemy patrols have insane uh, distance distance perception. Yeah. In which, in which you have to stick to walls, hide behind cover, and you basically maneuver Agent Forty Seven to uh, be behind a tree, so that person in the distance can't see you because if you if your character and you can go in and out between third and first person to help this if your character can't see the person then you can, then they can't see you and then you can switch to third person and kind of maneuver them again so there's a interesting aspect to this so i really wanted to beat this game for the podcast and get a really good in-depth because the hitman series is well regarded uh in gaming yep and there's a lot of there's a lot of games out there. Uh, let's see, there's uh, Blood Money, there's Contracts, there's Absolution on the PS3, which I've never played. Uh, I played Contracts when I was living in Germany on the PC. I don't really have very many memories of that because uh, the whole game was in German and I didn't know German yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's the revamped series on the PS4. There's Hitman and Hitman Two, which brought an episodic name. Well, Hitman One is episodic, uh, which is kind of a bullshit uh uh sales pitch yeah pay for the episode and then hitman 2 is a full-end story which um i really quite enjoyed i wish i would have covered it more on the modern game cast because it really just went under the radar okay but anyways back to hitman 2 so hitman always starts out with um fiber wire where you can choke out enemies and this this pretty much is your if you want to play stealthily uh this is your weapon that you're going to use nine out of ten times, right? Yeah. Uh, approach your enemy without anyone noticing. Use cover, stick to walls, uh, and the other thing enemies have besides the distance vision, it is peripheral vision. Yeah. Which I can't say I've played any other game like this. So if your character isn't... Usually in a lot of stealth games, the character has to be completely turned around and they notice you. In Hitman 2 Silent Assassin, all they have to have is their head turned, and they see you mm-hmm. from a distance. That's what makes this game so ridiculously hard. Yeah. That's why you gotta so get if, your disguises. Right. So the objective is to get the disguise, and I've seen like people speedrun this game using a glitch where you can um, skate the character. Oh, yeah? You, ta- you just keep tapping the run button, and, he skates, and you skate the character, and uh, all of the enemies will just think you're walking because <laughs> the objective is to not run if you run you are labeled as suspicious to the ai so the ai is actually really really smart in the game yeah which brings about more difficulty but if you walk they don't see you as suspicious they see you as another patron 
And if you're wearing a disguise, they definitely don't notice you. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it is a it is a uh, test of patience. But if you if you look up a speed run of Hitman 2 Silent Assassin, it is absolutely hilarious. They'll skate the character to the skies. They'll or if if even necessary, they'll skate they'll skate straight up to the enemy. Um, in the uh, in the uh, the Ru- the first Russian mission, where you have to go to the Puchkin building and kill one of the generals, and he gets into a limo. You can skate the character straight up to the limo, uh, drop the sniper rifle before they search you, lay down a bomb at that at the moment that they're like looking at the AIs looking at the ground, and blow up the car, and then skate away. <laughs> you can beat the mission in like thirty seconds. It's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to check that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The speed runs of Hitman 2 Silent Assassin are really funny. I, I was looking it up. Wait, this guy uh, just... He's destroying this Mansion 11 with the skate. I'm watching a speed run right now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I tried the first like, the first mission uh, with the skate technique. It's really, really funny. It's actually really entertaining to play, the w- play this way. <laughs> Uh, but I wanted to play kind of Silent Assassin because I've played the game Mass Murderer style before. Uh, but I wanted to play this Hitman game the way it's meant to be played, or the the way it it its title says you it wants you to play. Yeah. Right. And if I didn't, ha- if I had more than two weeks to uh, play this, I would have done the trial and error, uh, tried every mission over and over again until I get it right. But I don't have that kind of time. So instead, I went online and bought the old Prima strategy guides. Yeah. On eBay. I bought one on eBay for $3, shipping included. So it costs like no money. And I followed this strategy guide to the T, like Final Fantasy style. Yes. Right? I was like, okay, this thing's going to tell me each way, where to go, who to look for. And I played it through that, and this game was a fucking blast. <laughs> okay? It was so fun. I felt so empowered. I'm, like, looking at... It's like it's like my own, uh, 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 like, mission briefing right next to me. And there's someone in my ear, Metal Gear Solid style. It's like, okay, now you gotta... I'm sorry, let me do the audit. Conv- okay, now you gotta... Make sure you go to the left of the building. Don't look up because then they'll see you. You gotta look to the okay. Anyways, um, my favorite mission was definitely uh, going into the Japanese household and using the uh, fi- poisoned fish to poison the target. That was my favorite mission in the uh, in the entire game of Hitman Two: Silent Assassin. The uh, the only downside to that mission and doing it Silent Assassin style is you don't actually see the dude get killed. You just see the little text in the bottom just say he was killed. And I'm like, oh, that's a bummer. I want to see this dude, like, choke, right? Yeah. Uh, what, they f- what they fix in later Hitman games is all the things that you're kind of annoyed about in this game. Like, you don't know where to go. You don't know where anything is. If you miss anything in the mission briefing or don't understand it, there's no way to like bring it back up. Uh, uh, I, the UI... You, you do in, have the ability and, to bring the briefing back up. Well, yeah, it's, it's more than that. Like It's just kind of this four-step rundown. 
It's like, here's your target, here's this, here's this. Right? Yeah, yeah. If you don't quite understand what those four things are, then you're just totally lost. Hmm. Uh, so they fixed everything. And the UI, I never... Like, it was took me... I ne- can't say never. It took me so long to get the UI in this game figured out. Because it's just text boxes everywhere and you have to highlight. That's something you and I, Joey, had so much trouble with uh, 18 years ago. Did you guys have any issues with, like, switching to fiber wire, switching your guns, this and that? Yeah, it's like... It's something that happens in real time, so... If you've been spotted, then it's really hard to get, like, your, uh, your double pistols or assault rifle out in time before you get gunned down. Yeah. Yeah, when when I was playing on the Xbox, you had to hold down the button and then switch through it with the D-pad and such. Mm Mm-hmm. So it could be a bit unwieldy. Do you have trouble, Joey? Yeah. It it just felt slow and... But the speedrunner has no problem. He just literally just ran past four guards. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the, uh, the a lot of the later missions are really cool. Uh, the Japan snow stage, where you're going through like this mountainside, is impossible uh, because this the the sniper guards on a tower in the distance can see you through the tree line. So it's a matter of just luck. Uh, which is horseshit. I just went through, I gave up and went through that mass murderer style. <laughs> um, the Pakistan, Middle Eastern levels aren't really all that fun. Um, the cult leader one is really cool, where you're uh, where you're going through a hospital, and you have to sneak in as a doctor and then cut his artery and then get out <laughs> before the uh, cult leader's like... Um, uh, disciples kind of notice that oh he's dead kind of situation. Yeah, so that was a cool mission. And then you get to the final one. <clears throat> Here's the problem: there's two guards at the start, and the way they're positioned, you have to essentially break the game uh, to kill the kill these two guys stealthily, because. Once one of those two guys notice you, and it's really, it's almost too easy for them to notice you, even if you're going through stealth, because no matter what, they'll be alerted that the other one died and then see you right away. Uh, once one of those first two guards see you, then everybody in this building sees you, and that's when it gets, and they just maul you, and there's no way for you to uh, kind of combat it all. Then it's just a matter of random draw if you live or not. Uh, and the sniper, and there's a, a sniper that'll just take you out super easily. Uh, what you have to do is uh, kill the first guard, or yeah, you have to. Um, basically, it's counterintuitive to everything that you've experienced in the game up to this point, where it's like you have to almost exploit the skate, uh, skate glitch, in order to get past this where you can skate into a corner and then they turn around and don't see you, but in every other instance in the game, the character will know you're next to them because they have peripheral vision. In this one, they don't. Uh, so then you kill the you kill the guard, and then the other one will come running, and what you do then is uh, uh, drop your weapon, right? 
and then that character will glitch out, he'll turn around, and then you can fiber wire him. It's it's a horrid, horrid glitch. I had to look it up online, because I was just getting so destroyed in this final mission. And then it's just a uh, AK-47 fest, essentially, where you're just blowing guys away uh, with sniper rifle, and the um, final boss fight is kind of, kind of lame. Uh, and if my one gripe with the game is I wish there was kind of a boss fight, a little bit of variety to the missions rather than uh, killing everyone with fiber wire. So uh, that's my in-depth Hitman 2 Silent Assassin. I haven't done an in-depth game review in quite a long time. So <laughs> and um, it's on a game I picked. <laughs> I'm passing the game. Yeah, I'm passing the game. It's hard as shit. I did beat it with a strategy guide uh, in the final mission can go fuck itself. <laughs> I hated that. Yeah, I gave it a pass too. Hard as shit, but it, it kind of reminds me of when I was playing Assassin's Creed 1, because I remember those guards being super alert all the time, and I was trying to be, I was trying to avoid killing anybody, but after a while I got so frustrated I was like, fuck it, you all die! <laughs> and then... It's usually how Assassin's Creed games work for me. I don't know, after Assassin's Creed 1, it got a lot more reasonable, but in any case... Well, I mean, one one pet peeve of mine, uh, and this is kind of just of the era, is when you kill one enemy or, like, one sees you, everyone's alerted. Yeah, yeah. And you're just like, how? I don't, yeah, so. And Hitman 2 doesn't have that, actually. Uh, it's only the people in the area are alerted. Like, if another character's near one, then it's it's almost like he yelled at the dude. So then two will come over, and then if a, and if the body's found, then another, then the, the whole place will be alerted. Right? Ah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I'm passing Hitman 2, by the way. Yeah, same. I'm passing it. Although, honestly, right. the one time I really well and truly felt like I was having fun playing was when I had just had a cup of coffee, and thus my brain was working at full capacity. <laughs> huh. I might not go right. back to it, but it, I can tell it's a competent game. So the game clocks in around 15 hours. It goes for about 5 bucks. It's not an expensive game. And uh, just, a, just a, a last little tidbit. The game's graphics are actually quite ahead of its time. Uh, there, there, There is quite a few glitches in the game. Because of how high-end it's made, they did a lot of uh, things that had never been done before the time. And the so the uh, the... Not so much the atmosphere, but the, the the art everywhere. So if you're in a cut, like if when you go to areas, so if there's like three missions in this region, like uh, Russia or something, you can actually see in the distance a past mission you've done. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Neat. So like you're if uh, for example you're on the uh, you're in the hospital killing the cult leader, in the distance you can see the island of the other hospital uh, or hotel area that you were at <laughs> that's pretty cool so it doesn't do that for all of them but you can you can you can see so there's a lot of a lot of detail uh in the game which is quite quite something yeah all right so shall we move on to the next one yes sir all right next one is tom clancy's splinter cell for the ps2 xbox gamecube and pc now, it was developed and published by Ubisoft and released on November 17th, 2002. 
on all the platforms I mentioned. Now this is yet another game that back in the day I rented from Blockbuster but never ended up buying until now. Mm. But I remember really liking it back then and actually beating it. Now I also remember this game having a lot of innovations to the this game is considered one of the most famous stealth games of all time, right up there with Metal Gear Solid. And it's easy to see why. I mean, it goes all out with its stealth mechanics. I mean, even in normal difficulty, you have to be on your toes at all times. Even while crouching, moving too fast will give away your presence because you're making too much noise. Hmm. And I remember this game had a lot of innovations to stealth mechanics at the time. Like, there's the ability to jump jump up and prop yourself up with your feet on the walls close to the ceiling in a narrow hallway and thus the guards will pass underneath you without seeing you if you're in the dark and then there's also using thermal goggles to deduce keypad codes codes from residual body heat and then also deducing a rendezvous target from the fact that he has a prosthetic leg thus it shows up different on thermal I mean, all that was pretty cool, even if it was, even if it's fairly standard now. And the visibility meter is super helpful. It's like, on the the darker end, you're virtually invisible, but on the far light end, you're lit up like a Christmas tree. And then, although it kind of boggles the mind why nobody ever sees your glowing green goggles. <laughs> which is like the, the infrared night vision stuff. Right. Which many have come to associate with Sam Fisher, the character. Now, I like... Now, this game is a lot more straightforward than Hitman. It's like... It's that the levels are pretty linear, even though there's multiple ways of taking out groups of people at certain points. And... It actually does have a pretty comprehensible story, even even if it's largely your typical America versus Russia Cold War stuff. But, America versus that douchebag country Georgia. <laughs> That's what it is. You know, that former airline company, Colin. <laughs> also the the state of the United States. <laughs> yes, clearly this was a uh a self-impeded war between the state of Georgia and the United States itself. <laughs> yeah, hey. I, I kind of like that in this story there's kind of a bit of social commentary in that the news segments between the missions continually cut off before certain things are said. Because I remember being kind of baffled by that way back when. It's like, the number of casualties is in the high <laughs> to the next segment. Right. Sort of a lying by omission type deal. And then there's the random funny moments between the NPCs. <laughs> like at one point a crooked cop pretends to be a pretends to be two people at the police station to give the this civilian guy a runaround. And then at another oh. point, this chef is making a special dish for a certain higher up nobody likes, and then <laughs> one of the officers comes in, spits in it, and they thank each other. <laughs> it was pretty funny. You wanted to say something, Joey? Yeah, I like the the scene with the cop. 
Ooh, no, that, that's the next window. Hey, but you're the same guy. Yeah, but this is personal relations window. Oh, but I need help. You can sit down. Someone will come help you eventually. <laughs> so this is bullshit. You're the same guy. I could have you arrested, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this was a, another game that I beat. This was the second one. Yeah. It's one of the ones I played the most of all of our cast games. Yeah. The game, uh, how long to beat says the game clocks in about 15 hours. This one only took me about nine. And I played this kind of incongruent with Hitman 2. And because of Hitman 2's difficulty, I found Splinter Cell exceedingly more easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's a lot more linear in this. You're not as overwhelmed with options as to how to carry out the mission. There's less trial and error. Well, the other thing is, uh, even if you... So, I discovered that the... Okay, so the tutorial mission in Splinter Cell is basically, this is how you should play every level in the game. This is your blueprint. You should take out lights to concede yourself in the dark, stay in the dark because of your meter... Hide the bodies in the dark, and uh, use um, the kind of dark gun puts people to sleep, or the electrical uh, slash or like taser. Yeah, weapon. the sticky shockers. Yeah, the st- yeah the sticky shockers. Thank you. Yeah. So those are your that's your blueprint, right? So stick to the dark, hide enemies in the dark, and take out the lights. And, uh, yeah, use your sticky bullets, basically. There's a couple other things that pop up, like uh, like your grenade gun that you can gas people out, uh, which is kind of cool. There wasn't a whole lot of variety to the amount of weapons uh, that you can choose, but this is the first game of the Splinter Cell series, so, you know, that gets a, that gets a, a pass, right? Yeah, yeah this was like the fourth one that played like this, I'd be questioning things, but, um, so once that blueprint was taught to me and being that the, the levels are in fact linear, uh, cause there isn't really any other place you can go. Maybe take a left instead of a right every once in a while situation. Yeah. Uh, oh, I have to, I have to, uh, do this wacky wall run leap thing. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> to get to a ledge. Some of the mechanics didn't go so well. I played on the GameCube, so this was uh, kind of awkward at times, but I never really felt like the controls impeded me from playing. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but the reason, the true reason why I found this so much easier than Hitman 2 was because if an enemy sees you or you mess up, you can just shoot his ass, right? With the sticky gun or the dark or whatever, or... Um, and then just throw his ass in the dark. And if another guy comes, do the same. Your mission is fine. Yeah. The fact that you're given, most of the time, three alerts. Three mistakes, basically. Work. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. The, for- the fourth one was always check the corner for a camera and then shoot it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You follow that blueprint, you will be fine the entire game. Mm-hmm. Period. So I beat this game... So much faster than I was expecting. I rather enjoyed it. Uh, each, I, I did feel like the game lacked like a boss fight or something. 
Because the last one where you're fighting the dude in, like, the bunker, and you have to hack, uh, the, uh, the automatic guns. Oh, yeah. So guys, like, don't get on, get on you from behind, and you can, you can just take out, take out the, uh, the general that way. Uh, there are, there were exceptions to certain moments, but I never felt like the game was, was too hard. If you get this blueprint down and you stick to the blueprint, the game will be super, uh, doable even for a new person to stealth games. Ah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good beginner stealth game. Yeah. What about you, Joey? I had a lot of difficulty. Did you follow the blueprint? Yeah, but I only had, I don't think I ever got the extra guns or whatever, but I mean, I bought the game on Steam for 10 bucks and I played it. Uh, I don't know if it's because of the PC version, but it felt like every time I would sneak up on someone, they would turn around and shoot me three times before I could get my pistol up. So I'd be like dead before I could even like take them out. So there was, I don't know why. And it seems like they always turned around, even though I was all the way in the dark. Like even the first part of the prison or the the cop place where you can shoot out all the lights and the guard just walks through literally in the dark crouching going as slow as i can and he turns around and shoots me i i, I don't Interesting. i don't know if it's just the pc or if maybe i just really suck at it but it seemed to happen more often than not to the point where i would just bait guards around the corner shoot them because i couldn't figure out other ways to get past some parts so well yes uh when you got close to an enemy, they like knew you were there, and it was it was seemingly too too close. Um, I found that if you just because they will mo- more nine times out of ten, a guard will come to you while you're in the dark, and then you can just take him out right there. Uh, and uh, that's even you don't really have to be behind them if you're in the dark. Just run up to them if you're in the dark. Run up to them in the dark and whack them, and they'll be out before they before the game will trigger them noticing you. I guess that's exploiting it in a way of the game's faults, but I quickly got used to that. Or just pop pop an enemy from a distance, uh, which happened more often than not. So uh, I think I played exactly how you did, Joey. Yeah, but I don't know. The aiming was kind of bad on the PC as well. Like, I would have them in the middle of the crosshair, but it would shoot either low or high. And I'm like, I, I just couldn't figure it out. My gun was not accurate. Well, there is a there is a, a few guns where you have to hold your breath. There is a button to do that, and that will steady the gun for a second. Did you know to do that? No, I did not. Ah, well, there you go. So, uh, no level in particular pissed me off. Uh, unlike Hitman 2's final level, uh, I liked the oil rig level. I did notice that uh, there were checkpoints. Yeah. Throughout the level, which made the game also in- exceedingly easier instead of having to repeat entire levels. I felt like some of them were spaced a little too far apart because there were a bunch of parts in some of the earlier levels I had to repeat a lot. Yeah, me but... too. So, I'm passing Splinter Cell. Uh, I have Pandora tomorrow and Chaos Theory, which I've only dabbled in, but um. We're racking up quite a list of kind of sequels to games that we've played on the podcast. Yeah, but so maybe hey, most that could be a theme in the future. What do you mean, like sequels? I mean, the first games of series that we've already played. 
No, like uh, just a another game in the series to games we played on the podcast. Oh, I see. So like Splinter Cell, the next one could be Pandora Tomorrow or Chaos Theory. Uh, Castlevania, um, Curse of Darkness, now we can play Lament of Innocence kind of situation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sequels to... It's like one before it or after it situation. Sequels to games we've played. Yeah. Makes sense, makes sense. Yeah. So Ubisoft um, seems to have a formula for stealth games. Pretty good, and if you want to go in guns blading, blazing, you totally can. So. Yeah, I think I think it was Ubisoft Montreal that played this one, or developed this one. Those guys had a quite a good track record back in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I give this one a pass, too. I want to say I found it funny that this game through all the trainings, like, you gotta be stealthy, you gotta be stealthy, and then the first mission, you run into a burning building, where you need to run everywhere, yeah. and then shoot out glass. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I'm gonna pass it, but I just thought it was hilarious. Like, stealth, then run into this burning building. And also, there's times where, like, don't go in the courtyard, and my guy would fall and literally die and be like, I told you not to touch the courtyard! I was like, my guy's dead! <laughs> I'm sorry, my body fell. <laughs> but I'm a Excuse pastor. me while I get my femur out of my rib cage. Yeah, game's only four dollars, so there you go. Yeah, All ten dollars right. on Steam. Um, ten dollars on Steam, four dollars on the other console. So, uh, all right. So I will do Kevin's pick. Alrighty. Since he is not here. Uh, he picked Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation. Metal Gear. We've played Metal Gear in the past. I believe we played, um, two. Yes, we did. So, now we're playing Metal Gear Solid. PlayStation goes for about $14. So it's not too expensive. Developed, published by Konami when they made good games. <laughs> Released September 3rd, 1998. The youngest game on the podcast today. Indeed. Clocks in at about 13 hours, which is very reasonable. I played only about a couple hours because I've beaten this game a couple times before. And uh, so it was more or less a refresher course, and something occurred to me. Now, a lot of people know about the little about the boss battle where you have to switch uh, the controller into uh, controller port 2. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And the game goes all meta on you. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was probably Kojima the most dick at times. That was probably the most fourth wall breaking part of the game. So, I I looked up again to refresh my memory of what that moment is, and I swear, if I was playing this game again and I had no idea, because uh, I was trying to think of my first time playing it, and I'm thinking about man, if I didn't know that that's what I had to do, I don't think I would have known what to do. Yeah, well, when I played it way back when... It was very when, cryptic. When I had to play it way back when, at some point, like, Colonel Campbell will come on the Kodak and tell you, switch it to the other port. I don't know, even... There's something about that when he's saying... When he's telling you that. I'm like, what is he talking about? Because think about back in 1998. Th- think, a, think to then. This game came out. You had some dude in a video game saying switch to the other port. Would you be like, uh, so switch my weapon? Am I supposed to, like, change hands of the weapon? Reload? Like, what is... Switch to the other port? What? Maybe go somewhere else on the map? Maybe it's ports? (laughs) Eh, I don't know. It it kind of built up. Am I supposed to make my character drink port wine? (laughs) I don't know. It, It 
up to that point, there were other fourth wall breaks that kind of built you up to that. Like the, the guy you get out of the little bomb situation with the revolver ocelot fight, he tells you that Merrill's codec is on the back of the CD case. And then up to that point, Psycho Mantis will read what's on your memory card. And also you put your controller on the floor, it vibrates and moves. So up to that point, I'd say there was a fair amount of indicators that what's going on is in the real world as much as in the game. But maybe uh, that's just me. I'm, I'm, yeah, maybe it's just me thinking that way. What do you think, Joey, about all these fourth wall breaking things this game was doing? I mean, if you're not expecting it, it's kind of going to ruin the game. <laughs> the the controller know, port I, I thing. Think... I think depending on your mindset, it could also blow your fucking mind. <laughs> it could, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of well, we like. I mean, we I, have played Eternal Darkness uh, of the whatever mind thing. Insanity, Eternal Darkness in the GameCube. Sanity's Requiem. <laughs> Sanity's Requiem. Yeah, I, I was. I don't know why I was thinking like um, the Jim Carrey movie. Is that a Jim Carrey? Movie? Anyways, uh, Eternal Darkness, where like. If you're playing it on a flat screen TV, but all those CRT things start coming up, you're just like, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the Psycho Mantis fight did that, too. At one point, the screen will go all black with Hideo in the in the corner instead of video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very odd. Yeah. Uh, as for a stealth game, I consistently got frustrated with Metal Gear Solid. It took me a while to get a handle on these controls. I don't know why. Really? I don't know. I didn't find them too bad. I don't know. Maybe that's just because I played it before, but at the same time, at the same time, it's a little, it's quite a bit different from other games. Like, I can never get used to the circle button being the action button. Well, I mean, that's common in a lot of Japanese games. Not in any of the games I played. Yeah, well, uh, that's actually more common in Japan than the, than the cross button. Ha ha. Well, one of our other games on this cast is very Japanese, and it had the, the X button as the action button, or the check button, really. I thought I was using Circle, and it was working. Really? Huh. Yeah. Well, in any case. Triangle was back out. Anyways, um, I could be wrong. I might be remembering wrong. Anyways, uh, I know if you get like Japanese versions of game, it's it's uh, games, it's Circle or or uh, C in some cases of Sega games. Anyways, Metal Gear Solid, yeah, the, uh, just trying to get used to the controls in this game. I don't know what it was, uh, whether it was kind of the perspective or the um, top down view of it all, and me not having played Metal Gear Solid in a hot minute. Uh, it, it just I did eventually get my handle back on it, but it took a little while, which I wasn't expecting. That kind of threw me off for a little while, whether it was uh, going on under the tank at the beginning, and I'm, like, backing up instead of going forward, and then I get seen, and, you know, the... <laughs> I'm like, bitch, you fucker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as for the enemies scene, I don't, I've just, I'm just shit at Metal Gear Solid games when it comes to stealth. Oh, yeah? It, it just does not matter which Metal Gear Solid I play. I am just no good at how to be stealth in these games. Yeah, me either. Uh, 
especially uh, what Snake Eater is that the one that has a level with everyone you kill is walking through down a river at you? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one where we killed everybody in the game. Yeah, and it took like twenty a minutes, fucking hour <laughs> to go through the river sticks, and, and we didn't realize that you had to like press pause. So we had to do it twice because we didn't get the ending because we thought we just died. Good times, right? Good times, <laughs> good times. Yeah, Snake Eater. Whew. Yeah, we we even even. Th- Revisiting this just made me realize how shit I am at how to play Metal Gear Solid. Ah, yeah. Just something about it. I, it just doesn't click with me. Meanwhile, I play Hitman, and I'm like, yes, I, peripheral vision, just block the view. It's very, like, it's a hard mechanic, but it's easy to get the concept. Metal Gear Solid, you have to utilize so many of the game's mechanics correctly to play the game in a stealth manner. I don't know. It, it felt fairly simple to me. I mean, it's... Well, do tell why it was simple, Colin. It's largely a, a top-down game with... I don't know if I'd call it a stealth game with action mechanics or an action game with stealth mechanics, but... I don't know. I mean, you've got the radar screen in the, the top right corner telling you or showing you what the guard's field of vision is. So I, I just paid a lot of attention to that in order to not get spotted. And then, and since you don't have to like crouch or go really slowly when you're trying to get past these guys, you just have to avoid their field of vision. And I, I found it much more simple. Although in certain in certain spots, you have to avoid walking on them in order to not make so much noise because in some mm. spots there's like metal grating that when you step on it right you make noise and then the the guards will be like what was that noise or splashing through a puddle same result and then sometimes the guards will see your footprints in the snow so you gotta gotta like get underneath a get into a vent or underneath the tank there's a lot of good detail in metal gear solid that's for sure yeah uh, lots of commentary, dialogue, uh, very much in line with what we now know the Metal Gear Solid series to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I still find the boss fights incredibly interesting and unique, one from another. Yeah. What, what the game, now, what the game, what the series is about, what the game's story is about is, like, it's Kingdom Hearts level of baffling. <laughs> I don't know. I'd say it's a little less baffling than Kingdom Hearts because not every piece of information is plot important. No, but do things connect in a meaningful way or anything? You're just like, I don't know. Like, there's a clone. There's not a clone. Yeah. But he was from the past and he's from the fe- like. I over my head. That's that's too much to understand. I'm just playing the game. I'm killing this like octopus, octo octo jack jerk off. Over here, uh, this guy is reading my memory card. I don't know what the fuck his problem is. Um, psycho manta ray. <laughs> They're all assholes. <laughs> um, I did really. I do have a memory. I didn't get this far. Um, is uh, I do have a memory of absolutely hating uh, the sniper rifle battle in this game. Oh yeah, yeah. I had trouble with it too. Even with this playthrough, that's as far as I got. I I played to the end of disc one. And that's yeah, where it's it a happened. game with multiple discs. That's important to uh, to notice, yeah, or to to make note of. But yeah, the sniper. What what pissed me off at the sniper rifle one is it's it's always so hard to uh, crouch, lay down, get in the scope, 
find the enemy before they pop you one. Yeah, even with the thermal goggles, it's tough. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, a lot of the game mechanic. Maybe it's the it's the mixing of the the crouch and the auto wall mechanic that it has, or uh, I'm sorry, the 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 going up against the wall mechanic and staying out of people's field of vision. Uh, always had a, have had issues with it. Um, Joey, what 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 did what did you get out of Metal Gear Solid here? I honestly didn't really enjoy it too much. I didn't like the ang- the camera angles. It's just, I don't know. It's not a game for me. Not a top-down type of guy? No, I, I, I didn't really enjoy that. I don't think I enjoyed any of the games except for, like, of the Metal Gear series, except for Snake Eater. I think that's the only one I really liked. Well, that's because you could go in Guns Blade and not give a fuck. That and that, I mean, the angles weren't bad where you have to, like, run down, always stop and see if someone can see you, and then just weird angles that... I don't know. This one had like fixed camera angles that I just didn't enjoy. Like, oh, there's an enemy. I'm running towards it. Let's have the camera facing back towards me so I can't see forward. True. True. Yeah. There's things impeding uh, your vision of where to go. While, of course, as technology developed and it and it switched to a third person behind the behind the character camera, uh, and they got rid of the whole. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna be behind a wall and look around the corner. Mechanics that the second one had. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, uh, I remember having a when I first played the game. I had a lot of trouble with the cyborg ninja fight when you first meet Otacon. It's like it took me at least two hours straight to beat. <laughs> well, you just see a lot about all these Metal Gear Solid boss fights, especially in the first ones. There's there's always a cork. Like a Zelda game, right? Yeah, yeah. It's always a cork to beat the boss, but it's not in, in as opposed to Zelda, where there's a big glowy thing to hit. Ah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. There's not a big glowy thing to hit in Metal Gear Solid. It's it's always something uh, this cryptic information of trying to deduce a riddle. Ah, this is how I'm supposed to kill this guy. Yeah, although you can in always case, you can always ask the nonsense. colonel or the weapons expert over the over the codec. During the battle. Yeah. During the battle. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those weird quirks of the game. Every time you go into Kodak, time around you seems to just stop. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have a uh, time force field, of course. <laughs> Naturally. Yeah. So I'll pass Metal Gear Solid. Um, it's still very frustrating at time with me. I don't have, like, a crazy nostalgia trip with the game. So I'm definitely more harsh on it than I think a lot of other people are. Uh, I do recognize where it's innovative, um, how it came out, what, how it's developed is quite something, that's for sure, uh, where the franchise has gone. So, it was it was, it was was interesting uh, retrospective on Metal Gear Solid, that's for sure. Yeah, I gave it a pass too. By the way, it was uh, Ego Raptor's Metal Gear Awesome animation on Newgrounds that got me to play this for the first time. So, I'm just going to put a link in the Discord. Everybody go watch it. Super hilarious. Yeah. I've definitely seen seen it before. So, I'm a fail it. Really? I, Fair enough, Joey. Uh, that's a, hey, that's okay. I I didn't really Don't enjoy it. It's just it's not my cup of tea. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, the Kevin game gets a Kevin answer. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, so my pick was a game uh I've like dabbled in numerous times, but I've never really 
played it more than 15 minutes. It was It's one of those experience games, right? Yeah, yeah. It's called Siren on the PS2. It goes for about $14, just like Metal Gear Solid uh, out there. It's developed by SIE Japan Studio. And I'm looking at this symbol when it comes up, and I go, I recognize it, but who the fuck are these guys? <laughs> I'm like, what? I swear, I've seen this like symbol in so many games that I own and have played, but nothing came to mind. I'm like, all right, I gotta look this shit up. Who is SIC or uh, SIE Japan Studio? Oh, they make games like Ape Escape, game I love, Legend of Dragoon, highly underrated RPG series, Absolutely. fucking Ico and Shadow of the Colossus. There's like the list goes on. They don't just make their own games; they help other uh, developers make games. So they're they have so many hits out there. Yeah. Okay. And this is no exception because Siren was also developed by Team Siren. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, published by Sony Computer Entertainment, so SIE Japan Studio kind of uh, is assigned to various studios by uh, SEE to help out other games get started. This game was released in Japan uh, November 6, 2003, uh-huh. and then uh, uh, Europe and North America March-April 2004. This game is fucking long. Yeah. Game clock's in around 19 hours. I played like four hours, and I went, how the fuck long is this game? <laughs> Look it up, 19 hours? Okay, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I got further than 15 minutes. But, so this game is fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> okay? It is a stealth horror game. Now you're, now you're thinking, wait a minute, aren't all horror games stealth? Well, no. Not necessarily. I mean... Not necessarily. I mean, Silent Hill is kind of... There's only a little bit of stealth, but mostly you're whack just whack guys with a pipe or shoot them right or resident evil you're just kind of wandering around until like a zombie shows up or something yeah yeah exactly um even in even in like a modern game evil within yes there's stealth elements to it but you don't have to play that way really at all and the game doesn't encourage that until you put it on like expert difficulty yeah because enemies get so fucking strong and bullet spongy you kind of have to play stealth anyways yeah and then no this game is fully enforced and engrossed in you must play stealth. Oh, yeah. Basically. Yeah. And you find that out uh, not in the very first mission where you're introduced, uh, but the second mission. Yeah. Where it just throws you into the fray. It's like, they have this thing called sightjacking. Do it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, So why is this game weird? Well, it's in this, like, pseudo the ring situation where everything's like black and gray everywhere and and it's very japanese oh yeah <laughs> like weirdly very japanese it's just cut it's 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 a uh, camera cut what camera cut i will murder you <laughs> camera cut this random japanese thing happens another camera cut we're back at the character now go to the exit where's the exit i don't fucking know <laughs> just wander around and look for it <laughs> Uh, if you look on the map, you can, like, cycle through all the different uh, landmarks, and then when you look on the objective to see, you got to go to this spot, that spot, or the path to the, to that spot will have, like, a double arrow illuminated once you've selected it. Ah, but how do you get to the spot? I don't know, everything's dark, and, oh, that's right, on all these levels, there's, like, a sniper, maybe, on a roof. Oh, yeah. There's guys a pain. couple goons just wandering around the map. And I mentioned sightjacking. 
Yeah. So, for some reason, these characters have sight jacking. What is sight jacking? Uh, basically, you press the D-pad, or no, you press triangle. No. Then you roll around the D-pad. It's R2. I think it's triangle, right? No, it's L2. R2. L2, L2. L2, or whatever. You press, you press a button, and then you cycle the D-pad, and that enables you to then see in the eyes of an enemy. Yep. Or yourself, or the character that you have to escort, which is... Yeah. The best part in every game everyone likes, of course. There's multiple escort es- missions. Whew. Okay. Uh, the game begins where you're like this kid, and uh, it's the camera cuts, and then a cop zombie thing is has a pistol, and he's going to fucking shoot the kid's brains out. Yeah. <laughs> so you run away, and you're in this just small little area, little area, and you have just no fucking idea what to do. Right? Yeah. And it took me like I died like three times immediately. Just do I go here? No, it's locked. Shot dead. Yeah. Okay. Do I hide behind the truck and then go back through the forest? Oh no, the game stops me. Shot. I'm dead again. Great. Uh <laughs> okay, I'll go in the truck. Maybe oh the truck's locked. Shot dead. Great. Three times. <laughs> Fuck. Oh boy. And then I want I ran around, ran around, ran around. Oh, there's a like a door that isn't locked. And I just get the key and then hop in the truck and drive away. I'm like, cool. That was the first mission. It just goes, you escaped or you uh, successfully left or whatever. Then the second mission is where the the base of the game starts, where you learn the sight jacking in which it just goes, oh, the guy's like, oh, my head hurts. I have this uh, sight ability. Yeah. And you have to escort this college chick with you. But you, I really needed to look up like how to play this fucking game because I just could not get a handle on it. Because the sight jacking, take the sniper on the roof, you sight jack him, you go, okay, what is this exactly? And you go, oh, okay, so this is what this game is. So then you wait for the sniper to look left or look right. Maybe I'll stay in the shadows when I move my character in when I'm staying out of his direction but this fucking guy sees you wherever you are so everything I was like learning from the previous stealth games was like thrown out the window for this one yeah Yeah. (laughs) and then the thing that I liked I did like about this but it's kind of mute is when one of these enemies sees you the the screen will like flash red or some shit yeah I remember that I like that I really like it, but you you see it, and you're just like, shit, I'm seen. But then you are most likely going to die, like, immediately. Yeah, yeah. So you get kind of scared when that happens. Yeah. Like, okay, I guess that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's not like Metal Gear or Splinter Cell, where you get, like, a musical cue as soon as you're spotted. Yeah, it's just a bop! You're seen. <laughs> yep. Uh, Joey, what'd you think of... Siren and how you played and all this nonsense. Well, I didn't get to play this one, so I only got to see from videos. Um, but it seems interesting with our stealth aspect of it. Um, but it seems like it could be really hard with the how the graphics are to be stealth. But I don't know. It just seems like a weird game. And you said it took 19 hours, but this speedrunner I'm watching, he can do 100% in under 3 hours. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> man. 
I... I didn't even get very far, and it took me, like, four hours. I think I may have beaten, like, four missions. Right? Yeah. Because I'm just wandering, 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 and then I get seen, and then I die, and <laughs> I go and I go a little bit farther, and then I die again, and I go a little bit farther, and, and eventually I finally made it out, and I'm like, man, there's a lot of good concepts here. Right? Yeah, yeah. But it's so tedious yeah and it and it graphically it just did not appeal to me yeah i like pretty weird i like if you did something in one mission or day it could affect what happens down the line i think that's really interesting yeah there's a butterfly effect to uh to the game that again a great concept Uh, but what you're doing through all this like that's the problem because it's just so tedious yeah it's just so much trial and error of like where to go, and then if you're if you're seen, you die like too fast. You have no room for error a lot of the times. At least that's the the way I felt like I was being played. I I felt like I was being played, not playing the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, as a horror game, it wasn't like terribly scary. As a stealth game, I was more frustrated than feeling kind of a <sighs> so in the other ones we played we felt like a badass right yeah so in this one it was kind of going for the more you're helpless situation right yeah you're just regular people trying to survive a, a horror situation because this yeah. you're playing as multiple people in this game which made no fucking sense to me. I could. It was like trying to piece it together and I go why am I this dude with the, like a long rifle now <laughs> like a musket. Like, what's going on here? Yeah, you play like <laughs> ten people. Yeah. Like, how does all this connect? No idea. So maybe later in the game that's answered, but from how much I played, I'm just like totally lost, and I'm lost in the game while I play it. Uh, so to make this short, um, this game short, there's a lot of good concepts. It's just wasn't executed very well for me so maybe this is a case of kind of like what kevin says where the first game is a miss and the second game everything's fixed and it's really good right Hmm. so maybe they really really improved a lot of these mechanics maybe there was a little bit more direction rather than just marking your map and wandering around aimlessly until you die and then get a little farther yeah yeah I can see why people would find it interesting. If I had more time to develop to uh, to to uh, engage in Siren, maybe I'd like it more. But in what I played and and my experience through it, I just can't pass this game, which is quite quite disappointing. Yeah, I mean, I found some things helpful where, like in Sight Jacking, you can actually like lock certain viewpoints in by uh, pressing X or Square. And then once you go back into sight jack mode, you can switch between them. Yeah, you can switch between them real time using the D-pad because you have them locked in. Yeah, that, I mean, shit, if that didn't exist, I'd never get anywhere. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it's like so much of the time, two shots from a rifle is what kills you. And I feel like that's way too little. There's like very little wiggle room for mistakes. Well, yeah, and and he shoots super fast too. It's just, well... Bang and bang again. You have yeah. no chance to react. 
And I don't know about the rest of you, but I, I found it a bit jarring that all of the characters' English voices are have British accents. <laughs> I, I guess I'm just used to hearing American accents in Japanese properties that are dubbed. Oh, man, there's a, there's a lot of games with terrible British acting, British voice acting for... Uh for English it's it's uh it's 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 of legends especially like the Xenoblade franchise yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so how about you Joey I'm a fail it I mean it, right. it looked yeah. like it had a lot of good things but I mean just like the next game we're gonna talk about it just failed to execute yeah well get into your game Joey well, well I, wanna... I, I didn't get to say if I pass it or not oh go ahead and fail it <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta give it a soft fail because it's, on the one hand, like you guys said, it's got a lot of good ideas, but on the other hand, it just feels like a really tedious and failed Silent Hill. I mean, I, I hate making comparisons to Silent Hill because I feel like they're overused in horror game reviews in much the same way Dark Souls is overused as a measuring stick for difficulty, but in this case, it's appropriate because... This game does a lot of the same things Silent Hill does. I mean, constant fog to li limit visibility, cryptic clues mm -hmm. as to what the hell is going on, bare-bones combat, you get the idea. But yeah, soft fail. Alrighty. Last game. Thief 2, The Metal Age. Uh, $7 on, uh, was that, good old games? It's also $7 yep. on Steam. Uh, it's on the PC, uh, obviously, uh, developed by Looking Glass Studios, uh, released in 2000. I couldn't get my game to work. Oh, shit. Oh, no, really? And I looked into it, and there, there are some unofficial patches, but the first one, they're like, stop using that one, go to this one, and then the steps to get it to work, it just was too much, and I actually got a refund from Steam. I could not get it, like, at all. Oh, I shit. picked new game, and it crashed every time, so. Oh, no. I... Well, okay, so that's what I found interesting about just retro PC games on Steam, that they, they generally have a lot of issues. Uh, so if you want retro PC games, uh, such as Sy System Shock, which is another one by Looking Glass Studio, get it on good old games because it's usually compatible with modern systems. Yeah, I love good old games. They're, they're very customer-friendly. Yeah. Uh, so I was able to get my version of the game to work just fine, Joey. Oh, you're probably is probably way worse than mine. So, <laughs> well, hey, it probably is not compatible with my hardware. I have a sick, awesome Alienware laptop. Thank you. Yeah, but you're probably running Intel, aren't you? I seven. Yeah, I'm running AMD with their stuff, so it may not be. Whenever I work with that. <laughs> Poppycock. <laughs> <laughs> Bosh! Flimshaw! But I, I will say, it feels like it says it's middle age or metal age. It's, the guards are dressed up like they're from like castle times, but everything else doesn't really feel like castle times. Like, you're going into a house, you're walking with modern looking lights, even though they're, like, they're gas lights. It's just, a lot of things don't really seem to match up. <laughs> So, well, it's meant to be steampunky, so I guess. But then they should have called it the steampunk age. And I, I, I mean, from what I liked, like the, the voice acting just feels weird. Like you're supposed to be a thief and stealthy, but everything was just so loud. <laughs> For a game that came out in 2000, it's really blocky. Yeah, that too. And I don't know. It feels like 
perceptions off. I don't know if like tables are just bigger or the people are small. I don't know. Just something just feels off walking around in the game or watching people walk around the game in my case. No, you're right. No, I felt the same way. It's a this is man, when I when I booted this up, I'm like, man, this is what if I have in my head what a retro PC game is, this is it. Where every everything's off perspective. Uh, the debt, like if you're sneaking up behind an enemy and use your club to knock them out, it doesn't even look like it hits them. They just go down. Yeah, the hitbox is like really weird and <laughs> distance is weird. It kind of feels like someone got the idea of you know how that old screensaver with the mouse in the the maze. This is what it feels <laughs> like it is. So it's like, hey, let's make a game out of that. Uh. So the reason why Thief 2 The Metal Age is on this list, because we generally don't do PC retro games. We stick to consoles, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a couple reasons. One is uh, when I first started the YouTube channel, the podcast, uh, my, old, my old friend from Toronto, John, loves Thief 2, and he always talked it up. And I've been dying. I've been. I've just been. This has been in the back of my head that I have to play this game. And there's so many things that Thief Two, specifically Thief Two, developed and is used as like a stealth game blueprint ever since. That ranges from crouching to uh, uh, lessen noise, because if you if you're like walking on uh, stairs and you kind of go left off the stairs, you'll make a thump sound and the guard will hear you. But if you're crouching and go off the stairs, then you don't make a sound. Sticking to the shadows where the where the enemies uh, just don't see you, sticking to corners and you're out of uh, an, an enemy's peripheral vision. So all these elements add up to what stealth games kind of are blueprinted on. Um, and then the difficulty level is something I've I uh, that this I had experienced prior because John actually showed me is if you play Thief Two on a harder difficulty level, the enemies' paths will change to make the uh, make the level layout a little bit tougher, and you have to figure out alternate paths. Uh, enemies will then will be alert to things that have been knocked over in the level. Uh, they will be more prone to check areas um, that are easily accessible off the street, so you have to hide the bodies better. Unlike in Splinter Cell, or if you just chuck them in the dark, uh, then they're just gone. It's almost like the bodies disappeared. <laughs> Not in Thief 2. So there is a difficulty level in Thief 2, right? You want to play the game easier? Well, then the guards' paths will be easier. They'll be more linear, back and forth. The enemies won't be so susceptible to, to seeing you. It's not like, okay, here's a bullet sponge enemy now. It just takes more bullets. Or you take less hit. There's there's a lot more uh, to it from an AI perspective, which I found that very interesting. Ah, yeah. Now, now that that's all been said, I found this game fucking boring. Really? <laughs> very boring. I was so bored playing this. Hmm. Explain. Well, the first level, you're going through a house, and you just knock everyone out. Yeah. You can throw their body in a room or whatever. Uh, you have to find, like, money or some shit. Uh, you're a thief. 
The second level, you have to pay rent, so you have to steal an item, and you're just walking around a little mansion graveyard shit area. You get in, and you just do the same thing over again. It, it felt very much to rinse and repeat, even though the formula is still very much like what we have been playing in at least two out of the four other games. Oh, Sneak yeah. up on an enemy, knock him out, move on to the next enemy, right? Maybe it was because it was too basic that I just couldn't get into it. Maybe. I did like the kind of pre-artwork story to kind of set up the levels. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Kind of give you a background on the thief, his motivations. That was cool. But the game itself, I just felt like I was playing the same thing over, over, over and over again. Knock the enemy out. Maybe it has something, maybe it doesn't. Yeah. Move on. Yeah, there, there are a few extra quirks. I mean, I liked the water arrows. You use those to douse torches to create darkness. And then in other spots, you gotta, like, rifle through all these different scrolls and documents to figure out codes to get into certain doors. And then mm-hmm. find find those little combination locks and enter the code. And then in in other spots, you might find out from the documents where there's like particularly valuable stuff. And I, I also liked the conversations between the NBC, NPCs, because like half the times the guards are either drunk or just plain don't give a fuck. <laughs> and Garrett himself will occasionally rattle off a, a one-liner. He's getting <laughs> snarky. Yeah. No, I see... A good game here. I see a great game. Yeah, yeah. I could not get into it. Yeah, fair enough. Just one of those things. Yeah, it is kind of one of the pioneering games of the stealth genre, so it's not as sophisticated as something like the later Splinter Cell games. Right. There's just not a lot of... I mean, there's a, there is a lot of depth to this game, but just for what it is... It seemed it still seemed way too much on the bare bones basic. I'm sneaking around this place. I'm gonna I'm gonna find I'm gonna see the guard. I'm gonna wait. Gonna knock him out. Then I'm gonna move on to the next one. And eventually I'm gonna get to my goal and move out. <laughs> you get what I'm saying here? Am I alone, Joey? No. You fi- I get you say. I mean, I don't. I don't hate that one. Again, when I play Payday Two, I usually just you do one mission to the next mission. You just go do the mission and leave. But this game was just not as fun. Uh, I can see what it did. I, I can see why other games followed. But it just it was more of like, oh, that has a good idea, but I'm gonna do it better. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't think it looks too enjoyable. I had a decent time with it. I mean, I felt like the missions could be a little, were a little longer or just too spread out at times. Because, like, these maps are fucking huge. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That that house just went on for ages. I'm like, how long is this hallway? Yeah. <laughs> like, what style ranch house is this? <laughs> yeah, and it's especially true of that, like, whole warehouse section with all the different, all the different little shops and such to, to raid. Mm-hmm. And one one thing that was a particular pain in my ass was for, like, your support items, yet you can only cycle through them with one single button, which is, like, the tab button to get to it. 
Like sometimes you'll need a key, other times you'll need a like an invisibility potion or a healing potion. You gotta like cycle through it, hit, hit tab over and over and over until you get to it. Yeah, I mean, it's not so bad when you when you have lots of time, like no guards are around, but when you're suddenly being chased by a whole crowd of them after getting spotted, which Yahtzee refers to as the cock up cascade. <laughs> right. Yep. It's it's not exactly viable when you're trying to get to like a flashbang grenade, and you can't immediately <laughs> get to it. I mean, why not just make the flashbangs part of the weaponry? Because the weaponry yeah. you can well, we you can totally forgot about the UI. Mentioned the UI and siren, where it's just hit a button and that'll bring up like the UI option menu. Yeah, yeah, it's like the take triangle thing, button. Yeah, take thing back out or do this other thing or shout. Like it's it's in the middle. Yeah, or shout. Yeah. It's in the middle of the screen, too, that comes up, and you highlight it. It's like, what is... They couldn't really think of anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, the tab thing in Thief, I, I noticed uh, probably midway through the second level. I'm like, okay, what is the... Is this... Why can't I... Oh my god, do I... I have to do this! <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not exactly... It's pretty clunky in that respect. Yeah. Which sucks, because weaponry you can switch between with, like, the number buttons. Like, number one is the sword, two, blackjack, three, water arrow, or broadhead arrow. You get the idea. Yeah. Maybe the pace of the game is what threw me off, because it felt really slow. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, because you're moving so slow and everything's so big, it's just... Probably even the perspective, it's just weird. You can hit the sprint button. You can sprint by uh, hitting, holding down shift, and then doing a movement, movement button. Oh, but that'll get you noticed by guards calling you fool. You don't sprint in stealth games. Well, if there's an area you've already cleared out of guards by knocking them all out, you're you're you can go nuts. Well, yeah, because they're all unconscious. Of course, <laughs> I would sprint over their unconscious bodies. <laughs> yeah, uh, I looked this up. This game clocks in on an average of 28 hours. Damn. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's a long game. But only like 12 yeah. hours of action. Yeah, <laughs> Joey. It's kind of typical of... Uh, filled with sass. That's kind of typical of like PC games of the time. Although, with Thief the Dark Project, it gets to a point where you can like fight supernatural enemies at one point. Mm-hmm. So there's like, like magical zombies you gotta... Hit them with your sword. So up to now, I've only played like the demo of Thief the Dark Project, which is the first game. All right. But nothing beyond that. It is kind of cool that you get to, you can like pickpocket guards. It's like you get real close to them and then their wallet or a key on their belt will light up and you just hit right click it and it's yours. Yeah. Again, there's there's so many mechanics in this that in in the year 2000, before stealth games were really even a thing, uh, this was the stealth game. This was the quintessential blueprint. I can't emphasize that enough. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, my opinion of my experience aside, this game is very important to the history of gaming. Absolutely. I, I don't. That is indisputable. Of what this game did and innovated. Mm -hmm. Despite all that, I'm still going to say I was fucking bored. So, I'm going to fail the game. Because, at the end of the day, it's all based on our 
opinion of our experience, and I was bored. And this is a retro podcast, and we're doing, like, retrospective. Uh, this game just doesn't hold up to what we want uh, in, a, in a game anymore, right? So, um, it's pro like, in the year 2000, A, possibly S-tier game, right? But in 2020, it's not that anymore. Fair enough. Does this make does this opinion make sense? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I'm I'm a, I'm a fail it, because um, I it I don't know. It feels clunky and to a game that came out a year before EverQuest. Like I can go back and play EverQuest, and it's 1999 graphics, and it feels smoother than this. This game just right. feels off. So, I mean, I'm glad it did. I like a lot of other stealth games, even though I suck at them, but. Uh, I'm just gonna, it just wasn't it doesn't look fun and it just looks half-assed now but I guess it wasn't at the time. Mm. Well, it's like playing the first Tomb Raider game. It's the first like action adventure game in the 3D polygonal graphics. <laughs> at the time, very groundbreaking. Does it hold up today? Fucking no. <laughs> <laughs> it's horror. It's a horridly controlled game. <laughs> well, so. I pass it. I mean, I don't think I was as bored as you guys, but much much like with Hitman 2, I, I didn't feel myself compelled to go back to this one as much as the others. Hmm. Fair enough. All right, so the games we played for the Stealth Podcast, as we've gone a little bit longer than usual, Hitman 2 Silent Assassin, Splinter Cell, Metal Gear Solid, Siren, and Thief 2 The Metal Age. <clears throat> Joey, favorite and least favorite, and then run down your uh, tier grades for me, please. Uh, favorite, uh, Splinter Cell. Um, least favorite, uh, Thief 2. Uh, grades? Uh, I'm going to give a B to Splinter Cell, a B to Hitman 2, a C to Metal Gear, and a D to the other ones. Fair enough. Uh, Colin, you're up, sir. Uh, favorite Splinter Cell, least favorite Siren. Mm-hmm. I give Splinter Cell tier A, Ooh. Hitman tier B, Ooh. Metal Gear Solid B tier. Okay. Thief two, tier A, just for what it is, and Siren C tier. Alright, um, my favorite, I don't think should be a surprise, considering how long I talked about it, is Hitman 2. <laughs> <laughs> um, my least favorite would probably be uh, Thief 2, unfortunately, oh. uh, considering my thoughts on it. Uh, but again, I will reiterate it, the game did a lot of great things, okay? Okay. Just saying, that so it doesn't go unnoticed. I'm giving Hitman 2 Silent Assassin um, a... If it wasn't so utterly difficult and that last level wasn't such bullshit, it, it would have been A, but unfortunately it's staying at the B tier. Okay. Uh, Splinter Cell is also going to be B tier. Metal Gear Solid, I am sticking to the... Ooh, if I could give it like a B-, minus, I would, but since I can't do that, it's going to be B. Uh... Siren is going to get a D, unfortunately. Um, too many things were not executed well enough. 
And then Thief 2, I'm just going to give a solid C, since I know how important it was to gaming, uh, and even though I did fail it, uh, just from the retrospective itself and its importance, uh, it kind of bumps it up from my D to a C. Okay. So, there you go. The next theme is, in fact, Bullet Hell. <laughs> okay. We'll be covering five games on it, a special fifth game. Uh, that we decided on before this podcast. Is it really, or is this going to become a gag? We're going to say Bullet Hell is always the next episode and it's never going to come. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to tune in next time to find out. <laughs> uh, this was episode 61 of the Redleaf Retrocast. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye now.